0: Hey, Greg Hectus.
1: How's it going, everybody?
0: Uh, Hey, we're here. On today's show, we welcome special guest Jeff Marble, administrator of the Fast Track Sim Racing League and OG iRacing beta tester. Then we'll move on to a surprise mid season update that you won't want to miss.
1: And remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. Hope to see you there.
0: GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com
2: Even though uh, work is slamming me and I'm not able to make it on Thursdays, I was able to sneak home on uh, our Wednesday night and bring on special guest Jeff Marble, league admin of Fast Track Racing. How you doing, Jeff?
3: Doing pretty good there, David. Uh, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
2: So this is gonna be a nice, big, full, long format interview. We got a lot of different things to talk about, including this is your first time on the show. So we're gonna go through some of our usual questions that we bring out for the guests. Starting with what brought you to, or what brought you to iRacing, and how did you hear about it?
3: Well, I heard about it um, back in the NASCAR Racing two thousand and three days. They uh, they announced they were looking for beta testers, so I signed up and I was selected and uh, signed a beta team and lo and behold, iRacing went live and they said, well, you can keep all the tracks we gave you and keep the cars we gave you. And then, uh, I went back to NR 2003 cause I didn't want to pay.
2: <laughs> oh, that's kind of interesting. So you're literally almost one of the first guys to, to see it, huh? You, you go back even further than I think me or Mike.
3: Uh, yes, sir. And what's interesting is, um, when they were actually during a beta phase, um, Back in 2003, I always, I guess you can call me a roof rider, but I wasn't necessarily on the roof. I was like in the, using a chase view. And iRacing actually allowed a lot of people to use that chase view. And uh, I was liking that because that's all I knew really. And then uh, the day they went live, they said no more of that. Everybody's going right to the cockpit and that's the only way you can race. And I was kind of frustrated by that because it's just, it kind of messed with my head being inside the cockpit. So like I said, I didn't want to pay, and I figured I'd go back to roof riding over in our two thousand and
2: three. I remember being able to do the roof riding in R Factor as well, as well as some of the earlier like EA Sports games. And um, once some, once I found a R Factor league that forced you to be in that cockpit, and I, I worked it. I remember thinking, oh wow, now I can really, I it, it especially in Elva Racing, it felt a lot easier to get right on the on the apron. So, uh, it once i was forced to learn it i kind of liked it
3: yeah same here it really it took a, especially with a single monitor even as i didn't have a wide screen like the wide screens like we have now i had the basic square square type flat screen and it, you know there were screens really small it, it just kind of really messed with my head and i just almost kind of like that vertical feeling where you, you start getting it started messing with your head and i and then after i just kept it it kind of like vr you know how it just takes people a long time to get used to vr i I guess it's almost similar to this where it just takes a lot of people longer to get used to riding in the cockpit but man i am so glad i finally got used to it because there's no other there's no other way to hit the apexes better and just get a better feel of the car what it's doing and stuff
2: you actually just have a better sense of what the cars are doing around you too because it feels like you're actually in the car. It's pretty neat. So let's uh let's talk uh, official racing. What series do you do you like to run on iRacing?
3: Mostly the A Opens. Uh that's that's basically where I spend most of my time. Uh, when I did f- fully jump into iRacing, I I did 2 years ago I did the full NIS schedule and it just wasn't for me uh there was just way too many cautions um i just I, I know you guys are nis you guys love nis but it just simply was not for me so like i said i just focus on the a car i don't race trucks very often because i really don't like them xfinity after they were broken there for a while when i and kind of broke them i never really went back to them and on the the short track side it's gotta be about the tour modifieds. So, oh my god, love me some tour modifieds!
2: Wow, you should visit with uh, Adam, one of our teammates. That's what he mostly runs. He he hits the NIS with us when uh, when he's not running his real life go kart. But yeah, he loves those modifieds as well. He's a new he's a New Englander, and you're kind of up in that area too, aren't you?
3: Yes, sir. Uh, we're a little town called Akron, right outside of Buffalo. Bills Mafia represent.
2: So cold up in that area, man. Ah, it's not that bad. (laughs) So you mentioned the old monitors. What kind of hardware are you running nowadays?
3: Well, our monitors are kind of up to date, but our, our computer towers, both of our towers, are ancient. We're talking i5s, third generation, like 3750 chips, Intel, insanely old. But they get the job done and um our, our graphics cards <laughs> on my one that i'm running four screens with i'm using a, a 1060 and uh tyler's single monitor computer here <laughs> it's an old school 750 ti yep it still runs i racing
2: that's pretty epic um it's almost like a, who is it time is yes that likes to still run the g27 wheel right because y'all y'all run up front too with all that well those older systems what kind of wheel and pedals are you running
3: i'm using a uh old beat up g27 with a bigger wheel i put a bigger wheel on it and uh, i i opened it up and put some cooling fans on the motors because i know a lot of people had problems with failing motors in their force feedback motors so i put a coolers that were, were made for remote control cars. And I, and I put little coolers on there. Um, Tyler's using a G29 and we both have um, V3, Fanatec V3 uh, pedals, not inverted.
2: Do you have them in a rig or are you running uh, office chairs and desks?
3: Uh, for Tyler's, using a single monitor com- attached to a computer desk. And on mine, I got uh, four screens and I have a play seat uh, attached quick story on the play seat i'll make it quick i'm a mailman i'm a letter carrier out in, uh, in williamsville new york and one of my customers one day had his garage door open and i look in there as i'm going to the mailbox and i see the play seat there with a big 50 inch tv in front of it and a g27 attached to it so that was my end to just to shoot the breeze with the customer we got to talking well fast forward maybe six or seven months and the the gentleman says hey i need i need some help with this come uh come here and help me with this blah 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 so he invites me in and he goes hey remember that play seed and uh g27 wheel i had in the garage i'm like yes sir he goes it's yours just come pick it up it's you it's free you can have it i almost lost my crap i couldn't believe it
2: that is a really cool story so with that uh with those older systems how many how much third-party software are you able to throw in with it
3: surprisingly um a decent amount. We got, uh, we got the usual sim racing apps, uh, OBS on the one with the four screens. Um, we run a little program on our, our phones, uh, called IR pit crew that takes care of our fuel and tires. And, uh, it's pretty accurate for the fuel calculations. Um, I'm actually shocked. I'm able to run four screens with OBS and that third party software and still be able to stream without having any kind of hiccups.
2: What uh, are you running Windows 10 or have you kept it on an older operating system?
3: Uh, They're both still using uh, Windows 10. And and I've seen Windows 11 is released and we won't be going to that anytime soon.
2: Yeah, try not to upgrade until they force you to, right?
3: Yes, sir. Let them work out the bugs first.
2: Yeah, well, we already talked monitors, and so you don't go, go the uh, VR route. This uh, next question, I think Mike is definitely particularly in, in, interested in chiming in on it, but uh, are you a part of any teams?
3: Yes, sir. I have uh, my own team. It consists of uh, me, my son, Tyler, my good friend, Andy Tico. He uh, lives in the area with me. Um, good friend, Brian Cocklin. He lives down there in Virginia. And we just brought on a, a longtime friend, Cody James. He's from uh, Oklahoma, and I raced with him way back in NR 2003 days. He finally made the jump back into iRacing, and uh, he was really off when he first joined. Now he's complete 180, and he's doing really good. I'm proud of him. But yeah, Team Marble iRacing. We have our own Facebook page, too.
0: Oh, that's nice, Jeff. Uh, Team Marble. I wanted to jump in and uh, talk a little bit about our history. I mean, I've known you for a while. Um, In fact, I've tried to recruit Tyler, your son, a a couple times, and and you've told me no. Uh, But he's a real talent, and I wanted to talk about how I first uh, become aware of you and him. Uh, Back in the day, he was uh, involved in this uh, league that iRacing put on for the Youngsters, uh, and he did really well we were cheering for him that you Tell the listeners a little bit about that and how i got to know you through that
3: yeah i recently introduced the series called the ignite series it was for 13 year olds to 16 years old and they're basically looking for like the next big thing you know all these youngsters um so we signed them up for it and then um There was a lot of tracks. There was a lot of oddball tracks they ran in that series that just a lot of people didn't own. And I figured, well, let me go try and find a sponsor just to see if somebody will uh, foot the bill for all these tracks we need to buy. We needed to buy like 10 extra tracks. It's ridiculous. But anyways, I uh, looked around and I I knew the promoter at Lancaster Speedway here locally. And uh, he jumped right on board. He got excited about it. He gave us way more than I was asking for uh, financially wise financial wise i'm not sure financially is the word anyways so we worked out a deal he gave, he gave us some money for the tracks and then we, we we painted up the uh the legends car with all the uh lancaster logos we painted it we painted it identical to the lancaster speedway pace car and then uh as as to further promote tyler i i got a hold of you guys to uh to, to put the news onto your podcast and uh to help Lancaster get more promotion, help Tyler get more promotion, and uh, it worked out well. Unfortunately, he he didn't make the playoffs; he just missed it. But it, he he oh he you did make the playoffs. I'm right, gonna have to cut that part out. Um, he did he did very well. Um, it was a really tough field. There were a lot of great drivers, and uh, I, I was I was proud of him.
0: Yeah, we all were real proud of Tyler and. Uh, once I've got to, to race against him a little bit and really see his metal, uh, yeah, I, I wanted him on the team, obviously, because we like winners. But uh, you like winners over there at Marble Racing, too, don't you? <laughs> yes,
3: sir. Um, we've come a long way. Uh, B- B- Brian has come a long way, of course, Tyler. Uh, Andy Tico is, is – definitely come a long way um a lot of people don't know he's a he's a driver with disabilities not multiple he's just a driver with disabilities and he has some circumstances he has to uh how do i explain this he has he has to sit in a certain way he has his legs have to be a certain way in order to in order to race comfortably and competitively and uh we just got a set of V3 inverted for him, and uh, he's liking them. And, but we had to modify them and raise them up and this, that, and the other, just so he could be comfortable with them.
2: Uh, we talked a little bit about hardware earlier, and we uh, you talked about how you've got that play seat rig. but uh, you actually got to go watch uh, Watkins Glen this weekend, didn't you? You were telling us about it after the league race Monday night, and we covered an article actually talking about the new e-race truck E erase or e nascar truck that was taking rigs to some of the to the tracks and you got to try those out uh,
3: guys i cannot explain to you how fun that was um so we're walking along walkins Glander. they have a bunch of fan attractions and stuff like that and we're walking through and tyler spots this big black truck and he's like hey check that out it's like a e nascar truck it's like all right, let's go check it out. So we're getting closer online. I'm, I'm telling Tyler, I'm supposed to you watch it'll be just like a PlayStation thing or an Xbox thing where you just hold a controller and mash the gas and just go turn whatever. We get closer, and what do I spot? A sim seat sitting up on the stage. And uh there was another one there too. So we're getting a little closer, and I look, I'm like, holy cow, it's a sim, it's a sim rig. Look even closer. It's got a direct drive wheel on it with its quick disconnect. The thing was beautiful. It had widescreen on it. So we're like, all right, let's get in line. So we wait in line. We wait. The line wasn't too bad, but it was just taking forever because they were giving the fans like I don't know, five laps, four laps of time on on Watkins Glen. Then the line kept getting longer and longer. And then we finally get up there. The guy goes, Okay, you only get one outlap and one hot lap. It's like, Oh man, we waited all this time. You're only going to give us like one hot lap, but whatever. We, so Todd gets in there, straps in, and he's never used a stick shift before. He, we always use paddles. So he gets it out there on, out, on the, uh, the outlap. He misses his shift a couple times. And then finally, once he gets to the front straightaway, he nailed every single corner, and he uh, ended up turning a fourteen. Which, right before Tyler got in there, Eric Jones was in the seat probably about ten minutes earlier, and uh, he outran Eric Jones. What
2: a, what a story, man! That is that's pretty cool to hear.
3: And then, and then I got in there, and I I screwed the pooch. I was horrible. I kept missing shifts, missing my entries. But the bottom line is the the movement of the rig was absolutely spot on. I don't know how they do it, but Sim Seats, it was a beautiful seat. It was a beautiful setup. Um, and I asked the gentleman what kind of wheel it was, and he said it was a VRS direct drive wheel. And I asked him what kind of pedals he said uh, it was, and he said it was Rickmo Tech with, with Willwood extensions on it, inverted. And uh, it was such a nice setup. And uh, after the, after we were done, we, um, we were walking away, and, and Tyler was just like, dead it was it, unbelievable the car literally felt like it was in the racetrack the, the sim the, the motion of the sim was like spot on that the uh the motion seat and he was just like drooling i'm like man I, I wish we could afford that it was it was so much fun
2: could you um what did you think of the direct why that what did you think of the direct drive
3: well it, it was it was really good um it wasn't too strong and it wasn't too soft. It was just like, you could feel everything. You hit the rumble strips. You you feel everything in your hands. It would jerk the wheel back and forth. The one thing he, I noticed and he said he noticed too, is like, if you miss the corner, it, you can definitely feel it in the wheel. You can feel like the tire scrubbing in in the wheel. Like, and you, And it's like telling you that you're losing speed. So you could definitely feel the tire scrub. It almost had like a, um, it was felt mushy when you started scrubbing the tires. And then once you got it going straight again and oh God, it was, it was so awesome. I just, just wish we could, we could get our hands on those.
2: <laughs> I'll get you some sponsorship, get you some, uh, or, and get y'all some saved up and, uh, some of those upgrades will be nice. I'm sure you'll, you'll like it. It's more immersive. I mean, you're fast already with the G 27s and, and G 29s, but, uh, I know I, I enjoy the direct drive. I, I, uh, I don't know how much I need the the re- motion, but uh, the the direct drive and the the pedals have made a huge difference for for just kind of an average racer. Yeah, absolutely. So that's an exciting story. You could almost include that in the hardware section, right, Mike? Yeah, I love the the feedback that you give about the motion and how it
0: feels and the direct drive and. It's very interesting. I, I haven't tried motion, and I talk about it every week, as you guys know. So uh, it's, what a great opportunity, Jeff, for you at least to get a couple laps in it to just to feel what it feels like in the seat of your pants, you know?
3: Oh, it definitely had the seat of your pants feel. I mean, even when you like, pulling out a pit road and you're, like, popping the clutch, you could just feel that rumble in your butt, you know, like how I was just trying to grab the clutching pads in the, in the transmission. It was – It was so spot on, but the cool thing it was, it wasn't like overbearing where it's like just tipping the whole chair where you want to fall out of it. It was subtle, but exact.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they they got a really nice setup for those rigs uh, at the track and it's not anything makeshift. I mean, Sim seats that's a a premier brand, really.
3: Yes, sir. I wanted to pull my truck up and just plop it in the back of the truck and take off.
2: So one of the questions we always like to to bring ask our regular guests is if they do they just run the official racing or they or do they participate in any leagues? And this uh, question will have extra meaning with you because you like we said at the beginning you are the admin of the Fast Track Racing League, which has basically become the <laughs> the Tifosi Racing League as there's like seven of us in the league. Um, so tell us a little bit about the league and what got you into league admining.
3: Well, um, we decided to, just to start up our own league uh, to strictly cop cars for now um, because the previous league we were in it, it simply we just didn't like the direction they were heading. So it, we felt like it was time for us to leave. And uh, so we, we created our own thing. And, man, one of the hardest parts about creating a league is actually figuring out what the hell to name it. We came up with so many different names. <laughs> and then we were searching uh, Dan Lisa, which is now uh, Racer Hub. And uh, we were searching Facebook. We were searching the lead director, director, directory of iRacing. And it's like, hey, let's do this name. We would search it. Like, well, no, that one's taken. So we finally just we came across Fast Track. There was one other league that had Fast Track, but it wasn't all one word. And uh, I believe it was a dirt track league. So it was like Fast Track Dirt racing or something. So we just say in Dyers, fast track, all one word, and then puts "Sim racing on the end of it.
2: And I'm mostly going to be just asking these questions so that you can answer them for the audience. Cause I, am uh, running the league. I know the answers, but what's the primary focus of the league? As far as you, you mentioned it's cup cars, uh, is, and what kind of length does it run?
3: Uh, we run the same length as NAS, um, we don't necessarily follow the tire limits of nis we we try to keep it at three sets of tires for most races uh just to keep it interesting uh we want to we rerun a full fuel load
0: um i can't think of anything else the schedule now oh, I talked okay. to you about I'm the sorry. schedule at the beginning i was like jeff please have it run the the same as the nis so it's a practice race for nis but you have it running after nis the monday after Oh, yes. The the reason why
3: we did that is um, we were looking at it as the primary focus is to, is to have clean driving, hard driving, um, camaraderie, friendship, the whole nine yards. If we ran it, if we ran the track the, the, the seven days prior, nobody would really have their, their setups tuned up. It might make for an ugly show because people just don't have good setups. So we decided to run it seven days later than normal. That way everybody can run A opens all week long. They can run their NIS opens all week long, work on their setups. And that way once they get to Mondays at our league, everybody should have a pretty good setup with they know what they're gonna do, how the setup's gonna react, and it'll make for really great racing
2: and uh i have to back up your theory there because uh i was one of the latest adopters in the in the team to to join the league for because i was thinking well on mondays i want to start working on the next week uh, you know and but if so many people are having fun with it and by by monday yeah i know i have the set dialed in because I'll, I'll practice and then i'll dial the set in running a opens right because i just learned more there uh and then we were coming to was it was it Charlotte? Yeah, I felt really good about Charlotte, and was like, I think I'm, I'm gonna, I'll uh, go ahead and join and run that race, and it turned out pretty well.
3: Yes, sir. You brought home the hardware. I believe in your inaugural run. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think the schedule has worked out. Even though initially I, I didn't, I wasn't warmed to the idea, but you're right. It, it has been cleaner because we have sets, and it has been cleaner because. I've already done a hundred laps at Watkins Glen before the the league race, and and that makes it cleaner, you know, for me too. So I think it has worked. You're
3: right, and um, yeah, Watkins Watkins Glen's a perfect example. So if we ran that, if we ran last night's race seven days prior, people would be coming in and screwing up in the asses screwing up the bus stops and it would just be mayhem uh, a perfect example of uh, is how it works out better seven days later is um david and gregory at atlanta they ran all those nis races all week long and they knew they could split the race right in half and have enough fuel and that's where tyler me and my and my teammates were at kind of a disadvantage we went 100 sure we could make it and we ended up pitting twice and then that, and that kind of screwed up our races and uh and david and, and greg i think david won that race didn't you and uh, yeah, yeah yeah so it worked out great for you guys because you knew exactly what to do because of you had your whole week exp- your whole week was you had all that experience from the previous week and you brought it right in the monday and
2: it showed it's been pretty exciting let's uh talk we are following the nis schedule but let's talk format and points how are how are you handling the points this year and are you doing something along the lines of playoffs
3: yes sir we got we're, we're following exactly what nascar does um 16 drivers will make the uh the playoff grid and uh, we're gonna once the playoffs start we're gonna eliminate um four drivers after every uh three races just like nascar does we're gonna follow everything NASCAR does. We award. Um, Points for for wins and um, where you finished in the regular season standings. The only thing we don't award is the uh, the stage points because we don't run any stages.
2: Um, is each race one point per position, kind of like the NASCAR simple system?
3: Yes, sir. There there's a little bit of a difference. Um, I forget at the top of the the points uh, the finishes. I don't think it's one point. I think there's like a couple points in between. I, I, I can't answer that. Honestly, I'd have to go look. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's, it's gotta be exact and ask. I'm pretty sure.
2: Well, it's, it's not doing any strength of field calculations or anything like that. Like, like NIS does. So.
3: Oh no, sir. No. Well, at the beginning of the season, we, we went to, uh, Dan, it was Dan Lee at the time. Now, Sim racer help. We, we set, we set the points in there and it does it automatically for us. So that was weeks ago. I, I forgot how I did it. <laughs>
0: So this league is uh, different than other leagues because of the length of the season is 36 weeks, right? So uh, that's unique, and there's not a lot of leagues doing that. And then talk a little bit about participation, Jeff, uh, how you've been able to keep it up, because traditionally leagues lose participation as they go. I mean, you started out strong with full fields at 40, but we still have pretty decent fields, but you're still looking for good drivers, right? Oh yeah. We're, we're always recruiting.
3: Um, we recruited heavily before, uh, before Daytona, we, we went through the winter time, just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And we had more than a full field and I had, it, I, and, I, and then I started going around asking people, Hey, do you plan on running the full season? And they're like, ah, oh, no, just to be a part-time guy just kept asking and asking. I finally got all the people, all 43 drivers that said, Oh yeah, we're going to run the full season. We're going to run a full season. And then, a lot, of, a lot of caution started happening. People were getting frustrated. The number one text I would get is, I'm sick and tired of getting wrecked on lap one. Good luck with your league. They would just get frustrated too easily and ended up leaving. And then, unfortunately, um, we got to Martinsville. <laughs> and every... Our league, our league race was not good at Martinsville, but looking around the other leagues, looking at the broadcasts and the streams, we weren't the only ones. So after that race, during that race, I was, I was not happy. But then after I seen that, I was, I felt a little bit better. But after Martinsville, we started cleaning up the roster, um, the, the habitual guys that just didn't care. They treated the races like official racing, and that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for league racers. So we got rid of a bunch of people and lo and behold, it's worked. Our racing has really cleaned up. I think since Martinsville, our average yellows per race is like 1.5, which is pretty, that's not including the road courses. Slow down, that's pretty good. Um, So after the Martinsville thing, our, our rosters were getting smaller, but now they're gradually getting bigger with the help of, of you guys, uh, your recruiting efforts, the uh, putting the word out there on your podcast. Um, after every podcast, I get at least one or two requests joining, wanting to join. Um, and you guys using your word of mouth to your friends and your teammates, they've come along. Um, so now we're, like I said, we were at 40 something, 43, and now it, it dropped down to the teens at one point. Now we're, we're gradually getting back to our, uh, averaging about 24 25 a race the concrete number i want is 30 i really want 30 hardcore dedicated drivers that eat sleep and drink iRacing
2: racing to these, show up yeah you're definitely always going to see a lull in the summer uh, especially the first summer to open up after covid um, but you see that in every league whether it's the summer or just any season when we run the winter series there's like you have to make sure you log in in the first 10 minutes or the spot will get filled and then by the time it's almost february when the winter season series is almost over again the people who don't feel like they have a shot in in the points anymore or are, are, are showing up less and less so that's that's just kind of the nature of the beast uh uh but uh like you said, it's building back up and it's a fun, clean race. Tell us about some of the special rules that you have incorporated that ought, that can help con- lead to the conducive uh, green flag racing.
3: All right. I'll answer that question in a second. We're going to go back because you just helped me. You just helped me remember what Mike's first part of that question was. Um, he said it's unique that we run the full season and a lot of leagues don't do that. Um we feel that may have also hurt participation because people once they get to like week 10 or whatever, they feel like they're out of it and then they don't show up. So next year we are considering it's not in stone yet. We are considering running an A and B season and then with the playoffs. So we're going to try and figure out, you know, if that'll help the participation. Cause like, say somebody just totally has a horrible season. A they can come in season B and still make the playoffs that way that may that may boost participation, you know, later in the season. So we are considering that. So, um, I just wanted to answer, answer Mike's first question there. Cool. And then answered, uh, David's question. He just asked was, uh, you can cut this part out. What was it again, David?
1: Tell
2: us a little bit about. We don't have to cut anything out. Raw interviews are pretty fun. Tell us a little bit about the some of the special rules that help lead to that conducive uh, clean racing.
3: Oh, okay. Yes, we have the. Um, we always make sure on every restart that the the leader goes on the green flag, um, not whenever he wants. We did it like that. We felt like the leader was just getting way too big of an advantage jumping whenever he wants. And it's just, it just puts the second-place second place guy at a disadvantage. So, like, let's just do a green flag. The previous league we came from also did it that way, and it worked out really well. So the leader goes on green, and he he, uh, he doesn't necessarily have to be the first card to the start-finish line, just as long as everybody goes at the same time. Um, and we have no lane changing until after the start-finish line. That helps a lot with the yellows. Cause it does. It stops people from moving from one lane to the other, chopping somebody else's nose, um, causing a three-wide in the turn one, which is also another rule we have. There's no, there's no three-wide in the turn one because it just causes mayhem. We basically say is just go on green, no lane changing, and save the racing until you get to the back straightaway. And it, it has worked out really good, pretty much everywhere we've gone since Martinsville.
2: Yeah, I particularly like the "stay in the lane" rule because that's been that's necessary in the double file racing, and that's a part of the real NASCAR rule, right? But in if you jump into NIS, it doesn't get observed. Uh, I get really—I'm usually a non-aggressive driver, but when somebody starts jumping out of line or jumping the restart, I, I. I will get really dirty with them pretty quick because I just don't like it. I would love to see the the leader having a little bit of control of the restart, but I agree that the zone, uh, the restart zone, is too big in a lot of places. Whereas, uh, um, if it was if every one of them was more like Pocono, where you just have a small window when the, between the pace car and the green, that would be handy. But there's some places where it could be a, a thirty second guessing game as far as how how far apart the leader can go. So it's, it's not something that uh, turns me off of the league. And I do like being able to get going and, and take our time on the starts, especially since I happen to be a long run driver.
3: (laughs) Yes, sir. I agree with that. I'm a long run guy too. I mean, if I racing were to actually paint the walls, like real NASCAR, you know, paint on the walls, the word restart zone, and then maybe use lines on the racetrack, kind of like you know how we come out of pit road and it has that blue Mm -hmm. line on the apron maybe they can have blue lines perpendicular to the racing surface that match the paint on the walls and then you just like go in that zone you know and then maybe they can code it where if you punch the gas when you're out of that zone it black flags i don't know i'm just thinking out loud
2: (laughs) it would be some tough coding but it's definitely a feature request i would like to see and yeah why why not put the line across the uh track uh it is a sim so in some places why not take the uh, advantage of the fact that it's a sim and use some of those virtual graphic options right
3: yes sir absolutely almost like a virtual race control
0: (laughs) so look into the future uh to wrap up on this league the fast track sim racing league what do you see for the future i mean you've, you've done some broadcasting Uh, with max speed tv Uh, i think you got some more coming but uh what do you got for sponsorship and that kind of thing and 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 what are your goals going forward well our title sponsor is alloy bill repair
3: specialists um i'd like to thank teammate brian conklin for for getting that sponsorship for us uh they've been great they've been very helpful Uh, i really hope they come back next year um the CEO of alloy wheel repair specialist. His name is Rob wheelie. Perfect name. Perfect I CD. know it's, not great. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's crazy, but uh, I have his personal email and I, I will be contacting him once our season is over and we'll, uh, we'll try to bring him in next year. Um, I have another, another sponsor's name, uh, Donnie Adamzak a DA design. He made our logo amongst some other stuff, painted our cars, other logos that we needed. He did a great job. Uh, Rudy over at max B TV. God, he is so good at what he does. I'm, I'm very happy with the broadcast. Unfortunately, we missed the Talladega one because his internet died. That race was kind of a in a lull because a lot of clean drivers. It got crazy at the end and unfortunately it missed it. But I, I do know for sure the championship race will be broadcasted at Phoenix. Um, we will have some other ones broadcasted uh, it may be dialington we may switch that one um we do have bristol asphalt because asphalt's made for racing and um there's another one that we, we're we're expecting maybe three or four more broadcasts before the uh the season is over but 100 percent sure it will be the last race of the season and i forgot the other part of your question
0: no, uh, just, uh, you know, the future and, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to, you know, setting up? You want to continue this next year?
3: Oh, yes. Uh, next year. Like I said, we hope we hope to get alloy wheel repair specialists back. If not, we'll go searching for another one. But next year, it depends what NASCAR does. Um, when they introduced the COT cars years ago, they didn't just say, boom, COT for all 30 30 something races. They uh, introduced them slowly one season. I forget which racetracks they brought them at. Rumor has it that Gen X is going to be the same way. They're only going to bring them at select racetracks. So we're going to take that into uh, account. If they go full Gen X next year, we, we, we're probably going full Gen X too. Um, if they do a hybrid, we're going to look into that, see what our options are for that. Um, Another thing is we might introduce to help recruiting efforts is, uh, maybe having a feeder series. Uh, we may have a fixed truck series. We've been talking about this one for a while just to get more people, just to let more people know, uh, what fast tracks Sim racing is. Um, if we feel they're, they're a good driver in a truck series, clean, uh, good attitude. And, uh, we, we may invite them up into, to the cup series, but, uh, they gotta be willing to, uh, Take that jump into open set racing, which unfortunately is, a, <laughs> it's a hard thing to do because a lot of people love them fixed races. But I figure we gotta have some sort of feeder series just to kind of keep people interested. And, you know, keep the fast track name out there. Um, we have talked about <laughs> uh, eliminating all of the road courses except the uh, the original ones, which would be Sonoma, the Glen, and the Roval, because um, there's just simply way too much road course racing. And it unfortunately has hurt our participation and it yeah. So that's what we don't want. We want people to come here race and have fun. We don't want the road courses to scare them away. So we're considering not running all those extra road courses that they, uh, they plan on doing, Um, especially that damn street course. What in the world were they thinking? (laughs) Anyways, um, another one is two Bristol asphalt races. I'm considering Um, that dirt race. Just we didn't get the participation that I wanted. So, um, and my kid's over here behind me shaking his head. Yes, he wants both asphalt races, <laughs> and uh, I think we may do that. Um, another thing that I really am looking to looking for is an in-house broadcast team. It'd be like uh, Fast Track TV or something like that. That way we can just do our own thing. We can broadcast our own races. I don't have to worry about scheduling with. Uh, you know, people like Max B- Speed TV and all that. Even though they've been great, but I want kind of control of our own broadcast, our and our own in-house league stuff. Makes it a lot easier. But the, the problem is just finding somebody that's going to be a one hundred percent committed to it. But there's people out there that love doing it, so you never know. It might get lucky in the winter time to have somebody come on board. Um, and of course. A full-time race control uh baron labasco he has been great i oh god bless that guy he travels all across the country all week long and he brings this laptop with him that has iRacing racing loaded on it no steering wheel no nothing he'll load up onto our server and he'll be our race control but unfortunately the last couple weeks he had uh He had some surgeries so he's uh he's not around so we've been running our races without a race control Uh, so we've been we've been using the honor system which has worked out pretty good we got a lot of honest guys in here and i I appreciate them like oh hey sorry i screwed up that's my caution you know i'll go to the rear so that's worked out really well it kind of puts a strain on me and our admin crew as we have to kind of admin and as we go along and race at the same time it's kind of distracting that's why i'm really Looking for a full-time race control guy. Of course, I don't want to hurt Barron's feelings. I know once he gets better, he may want to do it. But I kind of have to put it out there just in case Baron can't do it. I I want to find somebody to to do that. So we're, we're looking for a broadcast team and a race control guy.
2: Well, it definitely sounds like we got you got a lot of good plans going. Uh, fast track racing league a lot of the Tafosi guys are running it we're running on monday nights at nine eastern the server opens at eight um it basically and it basically runs the same time as nis and we're having a blast doing it uh is there anything else that i missed uh in wrapping this up jeff
3: no i i i love it that a lot of the uh Tifosi guys come over um even before I had the league, I would listen to your guys' podcast and you guys talk about racecraft and and just a lot of the silly stuff that goes on in A Opens in NISs and NISs, and that just tells me you guys are clean and and you just want clean racing and and I was happy to bring you guys on board and then you guys kept bringing more of your teammates over and they're they're like-minded like you guys. They're you guys are all like-minded, you want clean racing, hard racing not a lot of attitude and sass, you know, and then everybody starts fighting and bickering. It's case in point last night, um, uh, Tyler and Gregor, uh, Gregory Heck just had a great battle at the Glend, and uh, Tyler just came in too hot in the bus stop and got into his bumper and, and moved Greg out of the way. Now, if that was like in an official race, oh, my God. Uh, everybody would be on the, on the voice comms, complaining, whining, I'm going to wreck you. I'm going to report you, blah, 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 blah. Granted, Greg was not happy, but he kept the voice chat to a minimum. They talked about it after the race like adults and and, and all as well. I mean, I'm sure Greg's upset. Tyler was sorry. But that's the difference between official racing and league racing is you have that camaraderie, you have that respect. And that's why I'm doing this. It's I want the clean racing.
2: It's, right. def- it's definitely a different world when it's the same, when it's the same drivers and you get a little bit more of that true boys have at a consequence. If you do upset somebody too often, it's a little bit different. If you, if you, if you just hit a random person in an official race that you, you only see once every three weeks, you just don't have the same accountability. But when it's the same guys on the track, you do, you develop an understanding and a, uh, a and a respect and a sense of consequence when you, when you do mess up uh so it's definitely exciting we definitely would we thank you for running the league and we thank you for coming on and giving us the the great information about the 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 motion rigs and and all the information on the league uh so thank you for coming out jeff and uh, we've had a blast
3: well i appreciate you guys having me and I look forward to listening to your show every single week while I'm out there delivering the nation's mail. It makes uh, an hour and a half to two hours just fly by and uh, keep up the great work guys. I know it's, it's tough finding topics after they switch the forums around, but, uh, just keep on digging guys. You guys are doing great. And, uh, I enjoy the content and, uh, I've learned a lot from listening to your show over the, uh, past two or three years. And maybe a little bit seems like, I actually think it's longer than
0: that, but, uh, Keep it up, guys. You're doing great, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jeff, for coming on, and yeah, I appreciate you uh, herding the cats is what I call it. Uh, you know, there's no but there's no way Tifosi could pull off a league. Uh, it's hard. It's hard work, and, and you're doing it very well. So uh, congratulations, and we're, we're happy to be a part of it. Thanks. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: All right, guys, that was a really cool interview with Jeff. Well, there a couple of things that I wanted to talk about real quick was that I was I love these um, these throwbacks to the originations of iRacing and and him being a beta tester was really cool. Um, You know, I would love to have been a beta tester back in the day and, um, you know, Something that I didn't know is that I didn't know that in the beta tester phase that you could run from the uh, hood. I always thought that you were always uh, bound to the cockpit. So uh, that was really neat to hear. Uh, It it was really cool to hear Jeff talk about his long history with iRacing. And then he did, then after the beta test, he didn't even sign up. But um, the subscription based uh, uh, gaming at that point was fairly a new concept. Yeah, it was a new concept. So um, NASCAR racing two thousand three was still fairly strong at that point. So I can understand why he he went back to that. Um, but yeah, but you could you could tell that once he got into the cockpit, you know where you're supposed to be sitting in the seat of the car, you know everything changed. It becomes more simulation than game at that point. And uh, yeah, what a great league. Uh, what a great guest. Thanks, Jeff, for for sticking by and uh, hanging out with us
0: yeah it takes a special uh, breed to run a league it's like herding cats and and trust me uh all of us on this team have thought about starting up a league and getting it going but just the just the initial planning is impossible so uh yeah kudos to jeff and his team over there at marble racing uh they've done a great job with the fast track sim racing
1: All right, guys. So let's jump into topics. Uh, this first one came out earlier uh, or at the end of last week or early this week. I can't remember, but um, it came out where uh, iRacing posted a Instagram video of the rendering of the top of the new Mount Washington uh, hill climb circuit. And uh, it was a neat interview. It uh, it showed uh, the top of the mountain, which is, uh, you know, just rock and gravel you know no, no trees like we had seen in some of the earlier uh pictures that were really cool and uh barney was at the at the top waving his uh flag and wearing a, a special like a checkered suit this whole suit is all checkered it was really really neat little introduction teaser uh video
0: yeah i loved it I, it really shows how bumpy it is up there near the top too uh the road uh you know elevations going up and down up and down uh interesting video, a neat teaser. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh i Racing made the surprise mid season release of that track, Mount Washington Hill Climb. Uh they posted an official introduction video featuring course record holder Travis Pastrana.
1: Yeah that was really cool because uh in the video um the teaser video he's flying up that up up that hill and uh you know you know it's it's either somebody obviously somebody from iRacing driving it or somebody who really knows what they're doing on that uh hill and dang if it wasn't <laughs> the record holder uh, travis pastrana he flying up the hill he was at the very end of the video saying uh you know giving his kudos to iRacing and saying uh, come join him on that washington
0: you know kudos to iRacing for always getting the right people involved in the right projects i mean you look at when they introduced dirt, and it was Christopher Bell doing the testing. You know, you, you look at when they did rally car. You know, it was Travis Pastrana. It was Scott Speed. It was the people that actually do it. Um, now here we are with this uh, point-to-point, you know, mountain, you know, time event. Uh, I guess is what you would call it, what I would call it. Um, and, of course, they're going to get the record holder, you know, Travis Pastrana, to come in, take some laps, uh, get a video of it, you know, to promote the big race, which the actual race, I believe, is this weekend.
1: Yeah, I was I was totally uh, totally blindsided when this came out. I, I did not see this coming this early. I know that that was their goal, to get it before the actual race, but um, it just didn't seem like there was enough, uh, enough hype about it being released for it to drop so quickly. And, uh, man, when I – I didn't even notice until I got home to start editing the script today that I saw that it was out. And I was like, man, I want to get this like right now, but I had too much work to do as soon as this podcast is over, man. I'm, I'm, I'm downloading that bad boy. I
4: think it's, I think it's interesting that now we're not having to wait till the season season builds to, to get a lot of these things there. There's these quick surprises that uh, we get mid season or to the end before, we get that to, you know, even enjoy it when the event's about to happen, like you're saying. It came out. If the if it's this weekend, then you know we get to enjoy trying the track. And you know, if you wanted to, I don't know, you probably can tune into the event televised somewhere. But uh, I, I like that we're not we're not waiting every 12 weeks, 13 weeks to get
0: something. Well, these content projects, Greg, are increasingly. Um, having delivery dates that coincide with real world events like this one is a perfect example they're running this weekend they want to get the track out before the event happens it doesn't coincide with their you know 13 week you know cycle so they just put it out early or late or however you want to look at it and so to see a software company to be that agile to be able to you know work outside of their normal procedures Which I'm sure drives a lot of those project managers uh, crazy who try to manage that stuff. Um, It's pretty neat that they were able to pull it off. And this seems to be more of a thing that, you know, a benefit
4: to us as, you know, subscribers because of the the pandemic, right? Like we didn't, before that, we weren't getting this type of thing, but now everything seems to be um, more up to date um, for. For the time frames. Like, it's just, it, we're, not, we're not waiting as long.
0: It, it just seems like this is the benefit we've gotten from going into this pandemic the last two years. What I think I like about this is it's like a whole different game or a whole different sim, I, you know, however you want to say it. But, you know, I've always thought, oh, I want to get Dirt Rally and try that, you know, point-to-point racing, uh, a separate title uh, from iRacing. And I never have, but now I don't need to. I can use this. I can try this. Uh, this would fill that, that void. Um, I'm probably going to buy it just for that reason, you know, um, and, and try it. I'm already intrigued seeing some of the fast times that have been uh, posted on social media so far. Now, the, one of the first videos to come out, like literally as the track was released, Nick Neiman had a video out on his YouTube channel of him uh, taking the track Um, and I watched it, I think during my lunch break and it was the first video that I've seen, you know, that went from the bottom clear to the top, Um, you know, iRacing had put out some videos that are like highlights that, but it didn't show the whole track all at once. So uh, it was cool to see Nick go up that in a rally car. He went really slow because, you know, obviously he's learning the track and didn't want to crash in the middle of the video uh but it's interesting to to kind of see how the vegetation changes you got real big trees at the bottom then it thins out and you get shorter trees and then like brian said at the top there's no trees at all it's just rock i think and i think we were talking about tony was bringing this up after
4: he had tested it out um it's awesome that you know you, you can watch a track you know we're used to night day transitions type thing but now it's it's the scenery transitions as you go up in altitude. And the trees look
0: so good, you know, in the videos, the new tree model and all that. And then we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, details about that. Uh, Nick Neibitt also did a second video of his descent from the top. So there's two configurations, you go up or you go down. But he did a down in the formula V and he just turned the engine off and he coasted it soap, soap derby, soapbox derby style. There,
1: there's a, there's a league or a special race there for you, you know, uh, that's cool. huh? Just a uh, soapbox style. You know, you can't turn your engine on. See who has the best drift time down the hill. That's, that's, that's a, that's a special event for you right there.
0: Right. You know, who can be off the brake the less, you know, without wrecking he spun out a couple times on the attempt but uh it's it, you know just stuff like that i never even considered hey that that actually looks like fun to trying to see what kind of time i can get just coasting down the mountain i wonder how
4: difficult that is um you know with a car you don't have any engine brake then to kind of slate you're just using brakes or momentum to try and slow it down there is no you know motors not helping you and that's probably is really makes it difficult and and loose in some corners
0: and that's why you're saying spun out so i have some some content that i didn't get added to the script in time but uh one of them is a tweet by emily jones um she said i managed to get up uh the mount washington hill climb in four minutes 33.5 seconds thanks to the very scary iro1 probably shaved multiple years off of my life definitely recommend so uh, fast times are already being put up guys 4 5 in the uh, in the jet car so she's she's
4: saying it uh takes take some years off her life so are we starting to get the pucker moments here because of you know you don't want to put it off the edge or things like that is that why uh, people are kind of it, it's giving you a different sensation you know you got walls and stuff you crash into when you're on the track. But when you're on this, it's like, oh, don't go over the edge or something, right?
0: Right. Well, my first question to Tony, very first question was, what happens when you, you know, you know send it off the edge of the cliff? You get to go flying? And he's like, no, it resets right away. Um, now, it doesn't reset to the bottom. They have, uh, it resets to the last uh, checkpoint that you went through. Uh, kind of like that real long track where it doesn't always reset at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, uh, in uh, Nick Lieben's uh, video, he did that. He actually went off too far off track. It wasn't super far either before he, uh, he would reset back to the last checkpoint.
0: I recently also put up a Twitter about, um, Reddit user HWF0712, uh, actually took the, um, 410 dirt car up the mountain and he's got a picture of the dirt car at the checkered flag
1: yeah you can get some pretty crazy combinations i would think on this and and uh what what class does this track go into is it road oval you know i mean road dirt road just road or what for licensing
0: that's a great question i have no idea to tell you the truth
1: it's almost like its own its own category now. I would think if they keep doing these rallies, you would think it would become its own category. But wow, what a great release, man! Um, and think about it—we've never even heard a, a an inkling of a whiff of this thing up until about two weeks ago, maybe—and it's out. I mean, that's that's like they kept this thing under wraps pretty tight. Inside uh, that sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right on the Formula V.
4: But it's, you know, it's, it's good that uh, they're not having these, like, leaks. Uh, you know, if it's something that they want to, you know, bring out and uh, show us, um, you know, it gets ruined if somebody's already talking about it. It's kind of just crazy that you can just drop it, and a couple weeks later, you're dropping the
0: whole, the whole thing. Yeah, it's obviously been in the works for quite some time.
1: Yes. I mean, sometimes we have, you know, months and months of heads up of something's coming, you know, that they tease that they're they're scanning this place or this place, you know, so you know it's coming after the scanning. But, you know, this came out of absolutely nowhere up until about two weeks ago.
4: I'm really interested to see how, you know, something like this, you know, this is probably still going to be a work in progress for a while with this. But, you know, when you can add when they add their weather patterns and, and if we get rain and stuff added to it, I'm just wondering how much more interesting some of these, uh, something like this would be, uh, down the road, you know, you you could have rain in a certain part of it, or can they figure out how to change it into a different, you know, different type was the higher you go up for, uh, you know, as a Canadian here, what happens if it snows or something, you have that up top.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of unknowns. Like Brian said, I mean, how does it affect licensing, um, S R I R? How does it? How do you compare yourself to others? I mean, I was thinking about stats, and I mean, you run it and you pull up the stat page, and it's just you, and it shows your time. You know, are you going to be? Is there going to be a place on the website or the UI where you can see the best times or? I mean, uh, all those kind of things, I think, are still unanswered. Like what happens? Like
4: you know, do they make this an official event or something that you can sign up for and say they just pick a random car each week, say they have a twelve week series and have a different car, and you sign up for it and everybody does you know one up or one up, one on one down and you're ranked depending on that for just that event for the day. So you kind of just get a get, point yeah, on based against. on ranking
0: or yeah. And you have some kind of championship. I mean, there's a lot of good ideas like that, that to get people to run it. I mean, yeah, I just
4: like for me, I want to see how this goes. I always say, I know Brian, you said you're interested in, in, in trying it. I just don't know if I'm going to purchase it until I see what they, what they, what their plans are with it. I don't see, you know, going up and going down, I like racing people, but, you know, I mean, for me, who's usually a good qualifier, hot, hot lap setter, if I could learn this, maybe it'd be good. But I don't, I, I just don't know what the benefit of is it is for now to someone like me that doesn't want to,
0: I don't well, see an interest in it yet. Well, well, but Greg, I mean, if I told you there was a steam sale, you could get Dirt Rally for fourteen ninety five. you know. See, I, I don't have Dirt Rally,
4: <laughs> even if you tell me that. I like... I I it's just like I said I want to see where this is going and see what they create from this like what's next what would be the next track right well and that kind of brings us into the next topic here um we all wonder okay we got one hill climb are we going to get the the biggest named hill climb in the world the pikes peak hill climb and uh there's an article in GT Planet uh talking about this but It looks like the one in GT uh, or GT Planet points out here that Gran Turismo is pretty much the license holder of that. So that kind of might hold them back from being able to uh, scan and do something like this because um, it's been in their games for many, many years.
0: And I know they have an upcoming game, so who knows how long that license is for. Yeah, this article is actually quite old, from 2017, But And I don't know if the exclusivity uh, still holds with Gran Turismo, but uh, they were talking on the uh, forums and stuff and Reddit about how this would be the probably the reason that we're not going to get Pike's Peak in iRacing. Well, like I said, they have an upcoming Gran
4: Turismo game that's supposed to be out in the next year or so. So I'm guessing if it's going to be in it, then I'm guessing they're still licensed to it, right? I would assume so. See that the picture here too, uh, Mike, that you got that type of car right there is something I would expect. Um, I racing needs to scan for the hill climb. That's like uh, when I think of the hill climbs, that's the type of cars that I, I would think of as a hill climb car. I mean, everything can hill climb, but that's what I think of when I see a hill climb. Yeah. I think that's, the yeah, the go-to cars is going to be the rally car, right? I'm trying to think what was like, it was a, a Suzuki. Something was like the most like, the biggest known car for the hill climbs for Pikes Peak for years back in the day we used to always have that in Grand now
0: Sorry, Brian, to interrupt there. What were you saying?
1: No, I was just saying that you know that that looks that's a, a specialty type of hill climb car that's not in the service like Greg was saying. And um, yeah, I think if if they're going to be serious about this form of racing and and think about doing other versions of it, then that would probably be something they might want to consider adding to give it a little bit more authenticity
0: yep but you know you think if they were doing the car they would do the car and the track at the same time you know you remember when they did north wilkesboro and the 87 at the same time and that makes sense you know and it would make sense in this case if they were going to do the car that it came out at the same time uh, the fact that the track is out and we don't have a car kind of makes me think we're not getting that car. We'll try the jet car, the IRO1. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try the rally car. I think the rally car would be the one to try to learn the track maybe, uh, or maybe even a slower car. I was thinking even the Formula V or uh, the Mazda or something like that. Like, And and that way you can really kind of learn the track at a slower speed before you start. You know, I, I just think if you're in a fast car trying to learn the track, you're going to be off the track more than you're on it. And did I ever think we would be talking about point-to-point racing and i-racing? I didn't. It's just, it's just like I said, the way, the way you kind of say it there, Mike. It's it's like
4: point-to-point. I just don't understand yet how the i-racing platform
0: can take advantage of this other than being like time trial wise, right? It just, that's, what, that's what I mean. How do you get people involved? How do you, I mean, because you're just by yourself. You you're not, you can't raise other people. You're just putting up a time. You're going to probably look at times against other times after. I mean, I could see that get boring pretty quick. Well, it's like how do
4: you? All you can do is get faster and faster each time if you get more used to it. But the guys that are going to be fast, they you know they always do it. it. It's it's like qualifying. You just over and over you do it. Um, And some people are not going to be fast, but you don't get a chance to do something else in it to try and get better. There's nobody to race. There's nothing, no events to happen unless somebody crashes type thing or whatever when you're doing these events. It just, I don't understand how the iRacing platform works with it yet. And that's what I want to look, I look forward to seeing what they do with it.
0: And, you know, can you vary the conditions to get a better time? And the other thing I was thinking is like, how long will it be before we have the fastest time, you know, that nobody can eclipse? Like some alien will put up a time, you know, from Finland or some, but somewhere, you know, where they're used to running these things. And, uh, or, or a professional, one of the professionals will put up a time. And, uh, you know, I bet you we have that time within seven days of this track being released. Well, and how does, okay, so we say, say we
4: set a time right now that's fastest in a certain car, and then all of a sudden that car's BOP goes down and it never gets a chance to go up to that speed again because they take in balance of power or something if it's a certain car away from an update, right? Then you then that time is is moot, right? You're never gonna get um, get to it if the car's taken power away from it or grip or something, right?
0: Or the perfect weather package, you know, the right humidity, the right temperature, the right wind what was that time that girl said uh she did was 4335 5 i think it was and you said she did it in the ir in of, the jet car. car yeah your so that's car. one of the fastest cars on the service so no wonder it took years off her life is what you're saying that would have been fast <laughs> so there's a goal a 4335 5 and so yeah maybe i'll buy the track tonight and i said i'll try
1: All right, guys, so let's get back off the mountain and we'll talk about some other topics here. Uh, The uh, VRS European Endurance Series is going to return for Season 4 with its well-known six-hour race format every other week. So it's scheduled based on the European Sprint Series and will utilize the same class lineup with the LMP1s, LMP2s, and GTEs. It will alternate, alternate weeks with new IMSA Endurance Series and use the same time slot. So, uh, this is the, this is a series where they snuck in the, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans, pretty much. And, uh, it's going to be back for season four. So, uh, uh, if all those, uh, endurance racing fans out there, you're going to get six more races in season four coming up. So stand by.
0: So see if I can follow this. Cause I'm not really one of the participants, but they had a six hour series and they change it to a 24-hour series so they could accommodate the 24-hour Le Mans. And now that the race is over, they're going to put it back the way it was.
1: Exactly. So this seems to me like their way to get around that uh, 24-hour Le Mans that they weren't able to hold as a special event for sure. Just to do it for that one season, um, yeah, it just, just seems like it was, uh, it was timed perfectly for that Le Mans race.
4: Hey, you know, all the, the 24 hour one, it seemed like it brought a bunch of people out though. Like I kind of liked the idea of the 24 hour one because it's the team aspect, the six hour one, you know, you got two guys, usually you know, take it on as, as to go, but it was every other cu- couple weeks that, you know, it forced some guys to get together and, and go and have some fun. I know David and I have picked certain events to race. He raced one without me um, just with, but you know, it's, you can pick and choose. Um, The six hour one is actually probably going to be pretty good, but uh, I kind of like the 24 hour option there. Maybe it was just a test too, um, but it was a good, good way to disguise the 24 hours of Lamar and uh, get around it. And now they can do whatever they want. Maybe, maybe they were seeing it trail off at the six hours here and, or the 24 hour events are trailing off near the end of the season here. And uh, maybe this is their idea to see if they can get in people back into the six hour one because i know the six hour one was hard to
0: get people uh crazy about too one of the questions that came up in the thread was you know why don't we just have a a special events championship that has all the 24-hour races in it and uh, greg west did post um the well, and with James Andrew, too. Uh, basically, they can't do it that way because the cars and classes for each of those races are actually different.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. My guess is probably that, um, after Le Mans, that 24 hour series probably dropped off pretty significantly once it's once that event was done, too. Was it? Yeah, well, that's true. But I mean, to have a, a a 24 hour series in regular rotation, you know, in perpetuity, just, I don't know. That's a lot of commitment there.
0: And so this was called the VRS European endurance series. Now this was the one formerly known as the Le Mans series, right?
4: Well, yeah, it's thing. I think the, the, the big problem is, is, you know, some people like the, it's the difference in the events in the cars. Like people love the, the six hours of of Watkins Glen or Petit Le Mans, which is twelve hours at uh, Road Atlanta. Uh, I think the idea of having back and forth series is is the, you know, or distance is probably good. But um, like you said, like the the cars always are different for the classes. Like even if you did the twenty four hours of Daytona, they run LMP twos and they don't do the LMP one but then you go to Lamar or spa or whatever, they do the LMP one and the LMP two it's, it would be nice to have maybe just a, a, a 24 hour series that had those classes and maybe do, I don't know, run it like the NIS run it as a four season event and have maybe three, two or three in each season and then have a champion at the end so that they can, you can space it out and people can, you know, book the weekends that they need to do these events or want to do these events
0: if there's if there's a want for all these 24-hour races okay so let's continue the road uh, alignment schedule alignments um and so that's one of them and so the next thing they announced was the gte endurance series is now IMSA endurance series starting in season four um this change will also include a format change car and track selection will mirror that of the regular IMSA series the IMSA Endurance Series will feature two-hour, 40-minute team events every two weeks using the same time slots as the current GTE Endurance Series, which is Saturday 7A, uh, 7 a uh, seven and 1,800 GMT, and then Sunday 1,400 GMT. It's kind of a shame that David's not here tonight because um, I would like to
4: see what um, he thinks of this because this might be something that him and I would – participate more and because the 2 hour 40 minute team event might is kind of more of a a pleasing distance right and we love the gte cars right but that's pretty cool that uh you know they got imsa sponsoring that type thing now um and they've gone away from you know i don't i think they have an endurance the other endurance series is an hour long um or no it's not endurance it's something else i can't remember what it's called but um It was the European series as well that was an hour long that's LMPs and GTEs that David likes to run. I wonder if this is
0: just an extra one to add the extra two hours, 40 minutes. Well, every two weeks, you know, it's kind of spread out. So I I, I like that idea. And, you know, it's got this NIS feel to it. You know, NIS is a long, you know, 36-week season. Well, IMSA has a long season, too. You know, and this is going to follow that, you know, that schedule alignment, I guess. Well, I guess we got one
4: more uh, endurance update here, uh, but it's kind of more of a charity event. So they got the 12 hours of uh, the Red Bull Ring. They're calling it the 12 hours of Red Bull Ring charity event. Um, so this is taking place Saturday, August uh, 28th. It's the inaugural event. Um and they're calling it to benefit the Star uh, Thrower Group for supporting and awareness for adults with special needs and disabilities. Uh, the race is going to begin at 9 uh, a.m. Eastern following a 15-minute practice and a 10-minute single car open qualifying. The event, the event will feature three classes, GTE or GT3, GT4, and the TCR. Um, if you visit uh, ring12hr.weebly.com, uh, for more info. Be interesting to see. I wonder if David will want to run this with with me and maybe see if we got some of those other guys that we road raced up that
1: with. That's a newer track, Greg. You, you have that one already?
4: I actually have it I think one of the uh, sports car series is at it this week so I think that's what uh, I was gonna get so I can drive my Porsche at it this week this weekend.
0: I love that track just because of the Red Bull name and everything. <laughs> Yeah, this is not an iRacing event. This is, uh, you know, an event somebody's putting together for charity. And so, obviously, you know, we want to talk about it. Uh, Braden Hill was on the forum uh, trying to get people uh, to sign up. Um, He said there are still spots available. Please spread the word.
1: All right, guys, uh, this next one comes from... The forums where Mike Michael Bowen asks, uh, "Hey, why won't why won't the H pattern shifter work in the new um, next gen car as an option? Uh, it's grayed out when he tries to switch from the sequential to the H pattern shifter, and uh, well, that's because you can't use an H pattern shifter in the new next gen car. It's got to be sequential, so they don't even give you the option of using an H pattern shifter." Um, you know, you'd have to have a five-speed uh, H-pattern shifter, too, just to, if, it, if you had that option. But it looks like they're going to be, um, be strictly adhering to the uh, sequential shifters in that. So, you know, you have the paddle shifter option if you have paddle shifters on your wheel. Um, or, of course, you, if you have an actual um, sequential shifter, you can use that.
0: So, uh, stupid question. I don't know if you know the answer, though. But if I had a wheel with no paddles and I only had an H pattern for shifting, I I wouldn't be able to shift? You would do what you do when yours breaks. You'd have to use your keyboard.
1: Damn. Well, can you program an H pattern shifter in sequential mode by just, like, shifting third would be uh, third and fourth, yeah. Fourth to shift down? It wouldn't have that feel. You have to
4: manually bring it back to the center. Uh, Yeah, you're right. And I don't know if it triggers thinking, when you go back to center, does it think something different. I, I've never tried doing the H pattern in sequential for it, but um, I just think if you move it back to center, like that's a lot of extra work too. If you pull back, push it to center, what happens if you go forward
0: <laughs> all of a sudden by accident, taking it out? So, yeah. okay, so riddle me this. So I'm in the regular cup car, the current cup car, which is an H pattern and I don't have an H pattern, but I can use my sequential. Why does it work that way? works one way, but it doesn't work the other?
4: Probably because it was grandfathered in because of all the stuff that was unavailable at the time. And now they're just doing it to be, you know, who doesn't have paddle shifters now?
0: What I'm saying is my sequential shifters worked on every car I've driven since I've gotten it. So, um, you know, if there's, yeah, I just guess I don't understand why that works and the H pattern doesn't work. I haven't, What's the logic?
1: That that actually uh, takes me back to the interview with Jeff Marble earlier, um, where he was talking about next season whether they would do a hybrid between the you know the current car and the next gen car, you know how the league would handle that, and uh, man, I'm, I'm petitioning uh, OBRL <laughs> right now to just keep the uh, current car, don't switch to that next gen car, it's junk for one. And uh, the sequential shifter, uh, that's not that big a deal, but the car's junk right now, so unless they really tune it to where it's fun to race, uh, I'd much rather stay in the old cars as many problems as that has on its own.
4: The cup car will be fine next year by the time we get to it. it's there's too many worrying. it does. Just this is the same argument I hear from, uh, you know, you know, Jeff about the road racing guys, the guys that don't like to do all the road racing on the fast side, fast track side, they're bitching and complaining about that. And, you know, do they want to run the car? Well, either you're authentic or you're not, you know, maybe next season. I mean, they've been talking on the on door bumper clear about, they think it possible that they do a, what they did with the COT where, they run half the rate, you know, run a couple select races with the next gen and and have the old gen, but I don't see that happening nowadays uh, with the way that the word has come out with that new car. Um, But I don't know. I I don't hope, I hope that we just go straight to the next gen and run it like we're supposed to. So we're not jumping around, building sets, finding sets, doing things like that. Cause I don't, you know, Mike, it's like, we don't spend a lot of time on our sets, right? We kind of just get in and race and enjoy those types of things. I don't want to be, Switching cars every week and things like that, we we race in there because it follows their actual schedule, right?
0: Could you they accommodate right. uh, NIS uh, like a schedule? Could it accommodate the kind of thing with a where they're switching cars back and forth? Could we could we have a multi-car event?
2: I will say you are right that we don't spend a lot of
1: time on the sets.
4: That? Just changing a ballast doesn't mean that you actually did yeah. set. <laughs> Hi, David.
1: Well, um, hey, even uh, you talk about uh, DBC, uh, Greg. Uh, they even had on their show, man, it's like, we got too many road courses. Just too many road courses.
4: That's I don't what I was disagree with. I don't disagree with them. I love the road courses. You know, we hopped into one last night and, and run it. And, Mike, you had barely any practice on it. I've done the track in different cars, and then I raced it last night. I had fun practice i don't see the need for all the road courses but the new jet the new next gen car is built for running that type of stuff right so i don't know how the road racing will be in those cars i'm sure next i honestly feel that next year you're going to have six more road courses it's probably going to happen again it's probably going to be the same or one different but you know I, I don't disagree we probably should run i don't know maybe three max that we were doing but maybe change what, what road courses each year so they're not you know stale but it sounds like we might lose
0: sonoma or something at some point anyways okay so some listener out there answer my riddle why can i use a sequential on an h-pattern car but i can't use an h-pattern on a sequential car
4: here mike i'll put it simple iRacing racing doesn't want you to so it doesn't happen <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty straightforward i guess right i just, yeah, they, I just if want if they blank out the thing the option long. for you to press it
0: i don't want an, <laughs> an emotional response
4: I guess one thing iRacing did want us to uh, have access to is their new high-res uh, iRacing logos, which is actually really nice These to have these if you're going to use them for you know painting or anything stream-wise, maybe. Um, so staff member uh, Ben uh, Reagan posted in the forums these new high-res images. So you can go into the forums and download these and uh, use them for uh,
0: whatever you uh, would like to use them for. Yeah, these have been around for a while. Um, there are some newer v- versions of the, of them on the page. And so, um, but yeah, it's iRacing.com slash resources slash logos. Next up, um, another forum post. Brandon Holtmeyer commented in the forums what he thinks is the main issue he has with these new forums. Is you can't see the latest post in all the subforums. For anyone to even know that there is activity, you have to click into each one individually, which is going to lead to a lot of missed topics. It just seems that everything is buried so deep and it's not very intuitive at all. There also doesn't seem to be an easy way to subscribe to a particular thread or to turn off notifications once you don't want them anymore. If there's a way to do this, I haven't seen it yet, I'd like to know. It kind of feels like Discord to me where you'll hear these notifications in all the different servers, but you have no idea where they're coming from. And I wanted to read this post because I purposely have not put in my commentary about what I think of the forums, uh, kind of waiting for somebody to say it for me. And, and, and this guy says it pretty well. The, the forums are not better than they were before. And um, that's an honest assessment. Um, the old forums were pretty solid. Um, I mean, there were a few, you know, choice issues, but they were uh, very few. Um, nowadays, uh, like you said, I mean, if you're trying to keep up with what's going on, you're spending a lot more time clicking around, um, and it's and, and to, to find everything. And so, um, just wanted to throw that one out there. I think it's nice that you know they offloaded it to a, a third party, so they don't have to fool with it and they can focus on what they're, they're good at, but at the end of the day, it's a shame that it's gotten worse. It's a shame that it wasn't an upgrade and it was a downgrade. Do you think, uh, say five years from now,
4: we'll even remember the old forms? Or, you know, do you think
0: this will get sorted out? It's not much choices, there. <laughs> I mean, it is what it, it, is, it, it is. is. Go ahead, David.
2: I said, I think Mike will. <laughs>
4: Mike, Mike has a one, he only remember, remembers two things. He hates the
0: UI and he hates the new forums. That's right. No, I mean, uh, I, I'm trying to get by with the changes. Um, you know, we get a lot of our content for the show from the forums, and uh, I'm probably spending about the same amount of time, but honestly, I've tried to get our content elsewhere. Um, I've, I've been trying to kind of migrate away from being dependent on the forums for topics. Because, like I said, it's just not fun to use. I mean, for example, if you comment on a particular thread, put in your two cents, guess what? From now on till the end of eternity, anytime anyone comments anything on that thread, you're going to get an email. And you can't stop it. And so you're going to get hundreds and hundreds of emails if you're on a very particular, you know, popular topic. And it drives me crazy. I mean, I, I literally get, you know, hundreds of emails a day off of topics I commented on when the forum started and that, you know, is long, you know, it was a long time ago that I don't want to see anymore. And uh, it's just crazy that I'm still getting those emails. I wonder how much of it,
4: as of now, that's been a deterrent for anybody, you know, anybody that has your opinion on it, Mike. They got something that they really want to talk about in it or or post in it, and they just don't because, you know, they feel the same way. They don't want to get the emails or whatever, right? It, it stops somebody from po- posting, and that's that's not
0: the idea of these forms, right? Yeah, that's why I said it. it's a shame that it went the wrong way. I mean, it would have been great if it was, you know, added functionality in it, made it more mobile friendly and you know because the old forums were not mobile friendly that's for sure and and this these are more mobile friendly and and that's one of the positives of the new forum but um but overall yeah it's really hard to navigate
2: well on the old forum there actually was an app that i used that was pretty mobile friendly
0: Right. People had to develop, you know, developed workarounds because iRacing, you know, didn't have a a mobile friendly version. And, you know, are we going to see that with the new forums? I hope so. All right, guys. So
1: next up is uh, the season three patch uh, five. Uh, They released the release notes. um, Of course, the big release. Reveal was uh, Mount Washington, which we covered pretty well. There's a couple of our car and track uh, tweaks and modifications, but um, the one thing I really wanted to get into on this was the rendering that they have added to the simulation. They call it the Speed Tree uh, Simulation uh, Game Engine. So it's a 3D vegetation modeling and rendering system designed for films and real-time games. So it provides the artists who work at iRacing the tools to build location-specific trees and then quickly place them at our racetracks. Um, the system's engineered to render these t- trees efficiently and with built-in levels of detail and has received specific customizations to make it work op- for iRace requirements so um, and this is one thing that Nibon uh, mentioned in his uh, review when he wrote up the rode up the mountain in his uh, YouTube videos that these all these uh, high more high detail rendered trees are not taking a uh, he's not getting a hit on his system because of all this uh, detailed rendering so uh, it's a really cool Cool way that they're doing these trees now. It's so much more realistic. It's not not causing system trouble or or slowing down your frame rates, and uh, and and they can use these trees on all all the different tracks in the game in the sim now. So uh, really cool that they're doing it a different way that makes it more realistic, keeps the game uh, stable, and and uh, just makes the experience a little bit better.
0: So they say integrated speed tree. And to me, that reads like Speedtree is a third party, you know, plug in, so to speak, or a third party uh, set of code or or software that has already figured out the vegetation modeling and rendering. And they just bolted on to the iRacing system. That's kind of the way I read this. And and it's really neat that, you know, we get a little behind the scenes about how they're engineering this, you know, uh, you know, at this point, it looks like they haven't developed this from the ground up on, by themselves, and uh, they turned to you know some other experts in the field. And um, you know, when when they had the four hours of Charlotte and Greg Hill was talking about it, um, he he had said that they had invested in some technology um, to help them uh, uh, make this project work, and this is what I think they're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think you're definitely right, Mike, because um, it, it does say that this system was designed for films as well as uh, real-time games. So um, it, it definitely sounds like it was not something that was uh, developed exclusively by iRacing, but they've used this uh, this this system, this program, to uh, to integrate in their games, and it seems like it's going to work really well. I wonder
4: if it's kind of just like what they're using for you know they got a different sound engine it's got its own thing they got this it's i think we already have the lod managers for like the cars in the world rendering do we not as a setting in the in the actual settings there for the graphics like you can prioritize for those so this is kind of just an, an extra thing that's added um for it i wonder what something like you know we got some old tracks that we know that are surrounded by a lot of trees. Like I think lime rock has a lot of vegetation around it. Is it summit? I think summit's the other one that you're driving through a lot I of think in Pocono. Yeah. Pocono, that would be good down the stretch and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of these, you know, some of these road courses can really benefit from, you know, this upgrade down the road, but even the new stuff coming in, they'll have this engine probably added to it and, I think this is a great benefit just because visually, you know, some of the outside stuff is not the greatest, but, you know, this can add some detail to it. And
0: uh, if it's not taking a load off your uh, graphics card, why not? Right. When I'm in the Facebook groups, the sim racing ones, a common common topic is, you know, iRacing doesn't look good. It doesn't have good graphics, you know, Man, this is taking a big old jump at that. It really is. I mean, they, this is upgrading that and, and putting those naysayers to silent. <laughs> um, uh, kudos for iRacing on you know getting this going. And I'd like to see them you know backdate some of the older tracks. Like you said, go to Lime Rock, go to Pocono, uh, add this, this software to that, and and put up an uh, an it, you know an updated version. Because I even think like
4: Montreal has a lot of vegetation, Monza, like there's a lot of these tracks that could really, really um, enhance the outer aesthetics of the track by this.
0: Now, one other thing on the release notes I want to point out: Rockingham and Texas track get, track grip parameters have been adjusted slightly, which leads us to our next topic.
4: Yeah, so. Uh, uh, Liam Brotherton posted in the forums. Uh, I guess Rockingham is coming up in the road, the next road to pro. Um, and he said that it's always been one of the best multi track surfaces in real life. Um, but if they don't change something right now in the sim, it's going to be a one groove arrow push track. Um, they didn't need, he's saying that they don't need the top to be fast, but viable in traffic to create runs and get alongside people. Uh, you know, for the race. Um, I guess Tyler then posted uh, this afterwards. He post Tyler Hudson replied. Um, it's likely we'll see Rockingham surface update in the patch as well as Texas uh, likely be updated as well. And two of the tracks that are one grooved in this. I, I remember Rockingham always been one groove uh, as well with this. And, and Texas definitely is Texas. The next road to pro after Rockingham. Maybe is that why they're doing it? Um, on this it's one of the tracks coming up I think so you know iRacing has the ability to change track surface models real quickly like that it's interesting to see how some of these tracks race compared to you know what what this will do to uh fix rocking in but at least they did it now and not you know is the road to pros what next week so they get some time with it right is this a sim equivalent of putting down PJ1? Possible. I
0: mean, all they have to do is try, you know, they can put grip wherever they want with a sim, right? Well, I remember a story a few weeks ago about something about this, and and they stated that it wasn't like PJ1. It was like, uh, it was different, but um, they they weren't putting down particular parts of the track to be grippier than others. They were just changing, I think, the compound of the, of the uh, materials. But it's, interesting. Well, thing uh, is with uh, it's interesting. interesting. Sorry, David, go ahead.
2: Sorry, David, go ahead. With BJ1, it wears out or can be washed off as well. It's a, it's a more dynamic uh, chemical that can change as the face goes compared to just changing the presets of a track.
0: So, what I think is cool is you got Liam, who's uh, one of the you know, stars out of the road to pro. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Basically, saying, hey, we got a problem. We got a problem. They recognize the problem. They address the problem. And 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 that's what that's what the forums are good for. I mean, these. This is the good part of the forums is you can post when there's an issue. People will hear you, and they will adjust if necessary. And it, you know, kudos to everyone involved for getting it done. Okay, next up. Uh, saw on Facebook uh, a friend of mine Brian Wirtman, who is an iRacer. Uh, he is a spotter for Na- in NASCAR He spots the 74 car uh, he was at Watkins Glen uh, doing that and uh, he had posted up you know a picture from him at the track and so I replied to him on his Facebook post asking him a, a question about it and I said is there a way to describe how your iRacing racing stuff, has enhanced your spotting skills, um, has it been a factor? Um, and he did reply, and I thought it was an interesting uh, answer. He said, I racing does help me get mentally prepared. I usually use the free roam cam, which is the Control-F12, and then Control-Z with the mouse, and then I move the camera to where I actually spot. So then I can see what is the, I'll expect to see in real life i wonder if after we're listening to a door bumper
4: clear this week if he if you can get if he stands up there and marks his place with tape and stuff like that a couple <laughs> days before
1: Yeah, monday afternoon right
0: <laughs> he, his, his transport his truck driver got there early
1: yeah brett can have a fist fight with him
0: yeah brian uh workman is a great guy uh i haven't met him personally but i've known him on facebook for some time and uh he's been in NASCAR. uh as a team member for several years and doing different jobs
1: but that's really cool that's just a different aspect of the sim that you wouldn't think could uh really help uh, a real life uh participant i guess you could say, you know, to be able to, you know, you can put yourself anywhere within the track. And if you put yourself where he would really be, it, it might give you an idea uh, of, you know, what you're going to see. You know, uh, I can think for uh, maybe for road courses would be the same way, especially when one spotter can't see the whole track. Maybe a spotter can say, you know, this as far as I can see who can, you know, where would you need to be to see take over for me? You know what I mean?
4: See what I was thinking there, Brian, and we've been talking about this before. The one camera that they never, they haven't created yet is the spotter stand camera. Like where if you were spectating or whatever, if you want to be a spotter, it'd be awesome if that was an actual clickable camera angle. So, Yeah.
1: Like when you jump in as a spotter for somebody, I mean, it, you're probably not going to be as accurate as if you were using some of the other uh, special cams, but it'd certainly be a lot more uh, realistic as a spotter from there.
0: So, they actually do have that in at certain tracks. Go check Daytona, and and you'll see a spotter camera. Oh, okay, I've so seen I was it at Daytona. What you were
4: saying Brian with the road course. Okay, so I think was it four spotters they were using at Coda. So maybe there's a you know an option when you're in the spotter part. You got you know on your numpad or your keyboard or something. You can use one, two, three, and four, and every time. You know you can you switch. switch between each stand as your as the race is going, right? So once you lose track of them in one area, you go to the next one and next one, and you can still spot, you know, kind of just making authentic, right?
2: I'd love to hear a radio style broadcast where they're
1: all sitting in the turns as well. Pretty cool all right uh guys so this weekend finally is here the 2021 knoxville nationals for i racing um so uh it's coming up this weekend you still have until friday to get in your uh get in your time slots at nine o'clock eastern and then uh, the super sessions will start this saturday top 16 overall points will uh for the race will be uh, moving on so uh if you haven't gotten in yet go ahead and uh, get your times in get your races in and uh see how it goes so I bought the car,
0: but I didn't buy the track, so I'm probably not going to do it. And I have to work Saturday, so. But I encourage everybody to participate, even if you're not one of the ringers. I mean, why not? You know, the the super session has taken sixty people. I mean, um, and and you got to wonder how many people are actually participating in this event. Um, if let's say there's two hundred, I mean, to to make the top sixty, that's not. You know, that's not out of realm. You, you might be able to do it. Get some luck. Next up is the Gridfinder Paint Festival continues. And uh, prizes include gloves, some really nice racing gloves, and $50 in iRacing credit. And you can come on the show if you want. And all you have to do is put up a paint at uh, gridfinder.com in their livery section and post to social media To uh, iResearch Lounge and Grid Finder, and I put up on the script uh, a couple of entries so far, and and talk about you know odds, good odds of winning. I mean, with only two entries so far, these guys look like they're going to (laughs) win. You know, fifty percent chance. I mean, we need some more people to participate. Is what we need. So please, please come onto our iResearchLounge.com. Find the information you need to enter the contest and enter the paint competition. Uh, So we have Rob Jackson 85. Uh, He put his livery up on uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, It looks like a a NASCAR uh, livery. Pretty cool, it it was only one picture so it was kind of hard to tell. And then we had the one on the first week from AJ Power also put one up of a truck and that one looks really good too podcast housekeeping. Don't forget the aftermath. Uh, I don't know what they got going, but uh, check them out. We're still over at Midwest Simulations. I haven't seen anybody get any of those spotlights, but if you want those, uh, you get 10% off with the coupon code iRacersLounge. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network, and let's talk fantasy.
1: Podcast Fantasy League.
2: In a casual setting,
1: all right, guys, so uh, Watkins gun last week. Another big day for uh, the Hendrick cars with Kyle Larson with another victory. Chase in second. Um, so in fantasy, we have Res Dog in the top spot right now. Justin Time Nine is in second, and O Baby Forty Four is in third. Uh, Tony Groves is uh, right now is the top Tifosi guy. He's uh, in fifth, and he's coming up. He's uh, he's uh, he's working his way towards the top. Uh, probably hasn't used up all of his uh, big big. Uh, big names yet he's he's really good at, at uh staying in the hunt and and holding on some of those big name drivers towards the end so uh tony grove looking good uh we got uh greg here's in seventh place not bad at all moved up a few spots after uh, watkins Glenn. uh jedi mcfly that's uh, chris Gales is in 12th he's doing well um uh, gi jojo is in 16th and uh they were, they were leading the points for a while earlier in the season. They have just so.
0: nosedived, yeah.
1: Yeah, they uh, they really took a hit. Maybe they used up all their good drivers early. And, <laughs> Larson uh,
4: 10 weeks in a row? Yeah,
1: and, yeah I'm doing Larson. All, all Hendrick drivers for the first 10 weeks. Build up a big lead, but it didn't hold up. So, uh, see uh, – Tyler, uh, Williamson's up to 18th. So he's, a uh, he's coming up, uh, Tony the tiger. Tony, uh, is in 17th and I'm in 22nd. So I'm finally in the, you know, I'm trying to get in the top 20 before the end of the season. It was a good race at Watkins Glen. I was looking really good with about 20 laps to go. Cause I had Joe Gibbs and I had, uh, some of the, I had, uh, Chris bell. He was way up there. And then, you know, it all went to heck after that when, uh, bell got spun. Well, That was his fault, if you ask me. He he pinched down uh, Larson too too hard in turn one, but um, it all kind kind of fell apart. But I still got I finished sixth for the week, so I was pretty happy with that, despite you know uh, losing some points there towards the end of the race.
0: Yeah, Lou (laughs) Allen was second for the week. Tyler was fourth. You were sixth. Gi Jojo eighth. Tony was down in twelfth. I don't even see my name. Twenty six. Holy cow. Brian,
4: it's interesting that you say about that thing with uh, Larson and uh Bell there going into one. I you know, I agree with you know some of the assessment on it, but if Bell wants to be mad all he wants, you don't block somebody all the way down to the wall uh at one point in the race and then expect to be given that kind of space when you finally get it, right? So it was kind of interesting to see. Because for me, Larson gave him a break and not pushing him into the corner. For me, I would have just pushed him in the corner. If you're going to throw a block all the way to the wall.
1: Yeah, I I did not like that when he came down the the home stretch and uh, just ran him right to the the pit lane wall. Um, I wasn't really uh, excited about that move. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, And we see this in OBRL every week. You race like a jerk, you get raced back like a jerk. And that might have been what happened there
0: those guys race each other on dirt and all kinds of things you'd think uh it would have been a little more give and take well they, they were saying
4: that too it's like you know these guys are it's probably the biggest rivalry between those two right because they're you know they race they're probably what at the knoxville or are they going to race the knoxville nationals this weekend or whatever whenever it's coming up and then they'll probably both be there right
1: I know larson is i'm pretty sure right i'm not sure about bell but um i'm sure he would do well if he shows up he's he's an excellent dirt racer ah, 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 ah! will this computer run iRacing?
4: not now who likes a good custom button box now i watched the video of this and on facebook here i'm really like intrigued by this this uh button box because it's kind of almost like everything, you know, that I use in my virtual dash, like obviously in VR, I won't be able to do it, but, um, so this is, uh, from a company, uh, what's the company's name here? Okay. And, uh, anyway, so they're showing it here on the site. So it's a, I don't know, it's pretty decent sized button box, but it's got 20, 21. Hold on. It's got, uh, 25 inputs with, uh, Flag a gear opponent's proximity alert display, uh, along with seven segments for complete customization. It's for 350 bucks. But it, if you're looking at it, it's got it's got all the normal buttons that you normally want. You got some toggles on off. You got the big ignition button, the power button. Um, but I really like the the little display it's got for the gear um, as the proximity. I thought it was a speed, but it looks like its proximity uh, is in the one top corner there, and then um it also shows uh sorry it shows where they're where they're coming around um if you're on the left side right side shows all the flags i think it's really cool design um what do you guys think of the price though for that type thing yeah i mean it's not bad but
1: i don't think that's crazy expensive for a button box that that style you know but um but it's i do think it's really cool these are the kind of things that make me wish sometimes that i wasn't in vr but I love VR way too much to get a button box like that.
4: Well, I was just thinking, like Brian, like we run these type of things on our dash and our headsets, right? Like it's when I have a button box that I just memorize where all my my finger inputs need to go to run to use it. But I never look at it because obviously in VR you're never going to see what you're looking at. But right, it kind of reminds me this button box has kind of got what I have
0: in my dash in the VR. What's unique about this is the the i flag that's built into it, I think. You know, the display, that's what makes this unique. I mean, it's got the carbon fiber like all of them, and it looks really solid. The buttons look solid, you know. It's uh, each its own. There's another button box leader in the show I, li- I would prefer over this one, though. All right, next up is a do it yourself hydraulic kit. And this is put out by simcoaches.com. Now, that's who uh, David got his brakes, uh, his pedals from. Was this created
4: because of David?
0: uh, (laughs) Wow. But they sell for $249 a uh, do-it-yourself P1 Pro hydraulic cylinder kit. It it, uh, comes with everything you need to build your own hydraulic pedals at home. The value behind this kit is our leak-proof slave cylinder. Other big-name slave cylinders on the market are known to leak. That's why we uh, look. We uh, built this. And so they have two styles, breaker or clutch. And, uh, you know, looking at the picture and the parts list that comes with it, I mean, it, it really does give you everything you need to do it. I mean, you would just have to have the actual pedals and the, the base plate and, you know, all that to go with it. So could
4: you turn... Uh, uh, you know, say like a G twenty five or would the the Logitech ones into a hydraulic setup with these kind of thing, kind of using the
0: pedals and perhaps maybe, try something. Maybe you'd have to be pretty clever. These things mount, you know. You can see the you know coming out of the hydraulic uh, cylinder, so to speak, uh, a shaft with a, a round you know, nut thing on the end. And so obviously that has to attach to the pedal somehow, some way. So, you know, can you do that with like a Logitech pedals? I don't know. I'm not real handy, so I won't be buying that.
1: Okay, guys. Uh, next up, uh, this one actually came came from uh, Steve Thompson and uh, OBRL. Uh, we were talking after the race Monday night, and um, the uh, HP Reverb G two uh, has a newly redesigned cable that is, was made for the OmniSet, uh, which is their uh, new uh, commercial grade version of the uh, G two. So um, this OmniSet has a has a Cable that's a little that's better, and um, you can use it on the G2. Um, originally, when the G2 came out, uh, some people were having some connection issues, um, especially if you had the uh, AMD. Uh, you were running an AMD system; it was really difficult to connect. Sometimes you had to do some some uh, work on your computer to get it to uh, to run properly. Well, this cable will solve all those problems. So uh, it's a new cable that it's designed for this Omnicept Headset, but can be work can work with the G2, and what's really cool is you can get that replaced for free. Uh, I watched the video on it from uh, MR uh, or sorry M R T V. That's a YouTube channel. That's a mixed reality television, and uh, they go over the process of how you can call uh, HP uh, help desk and basically go through your situation if you had any kind of issues connecting and they will ship you this cable for free or if you haven't had any issues and you want to spare uh you can actually buy the cable outright so uh i think the, i looked it up from hp it's a 90 dollars cable but uh you know if you call them up and tell them you've been having issues with yours or connection problems they will send this to you for free so uh the best way i could tell you to do is the uh, easiest way is to watch the youtube video Again, it's on uh, MRTV's YouTube channel, and uh, Sebastian is the host, and he will show you how that's done.
0: Pretty cool. Have you had that issue at all with yours?
1: Or? Yes. If you remember uh, a couple of months ago, I had to send my headset back. It was a connection issue. Um, they, uh, they, um, I got a new cable, but it was the old-style cable. And uh it worked. I got the new the uh, old cable, but you know, this is something that might be reoccurring. Uh, I I'm think I'm gonna uh wind up calling and uh see if I can get it replaced. Um I know uh Steve said he's ordered a new one. He runs a two. So he's got one coming too.
0: Makes sense if you have a problem. So maybe be proactive with it if they will let you. Yep. So the next product uh we have here,
4: uh <clears throat> uh is it Technos or Technosis on YouTube? Technosis. Technosis. Uh, posted uh, a review of the SimMagic Alpha Mini. Is this kind of like the, you know, it's a, a, a minier version of like the uh, the direct drive wheels from Fanatics doing?
1: Yeah, so that is CSL, version. The CSL DD. Yeah. So. Yeah.
4: I, I haven't got much through this video, but um It looks like a very solid uh, setup um, from the, uh, you know, SimMagic here. Um, He just goes through it and uh, shows you all about it and then goes through some of the software for it. I've, you know, I'm not too familiar on the software from SimMagic's side uh, uh, using it. I don't know. I don't even know if we know anybody that uses SimMagic hardware here at all, but uh, it looks like it's a very good. good wheel to you or a good base to have um did you did you happen to watch this mike
0: or brian i did um this is that hong kong wheel uh and there is u.s distribution now um we've talked about that before and this is their version that is the you know competition to that CSLDD. it looks like it's pretty
4: sturdy and gives good feedback from what uh you Know he's go- they're going through here with
0: it, so they have the Alpha base, uh, or and they have the M10 direct drive, and this is what's called the Alpha Mini. Now, I, I was looking on their website trying to find the information on it, and I'm not really finding it. But I think this was a, if I recall, I, we talked about this maybe a month ago, and this particular unit was available like as a special, it wasn't like a you know a permanent item that was available on their website. It was like a you know order now special offer kind of thing. But if you're ordering a CSLDD, they're back ordered. In fact, two of our teammates have recently ordered these. I think Tyler got one right, and then yep. Tom bought one as well. And Tom said he's not getting his till November.
1: Yeah, that's what Tyler told me too. He said maybe October, probably November.
0: And that's if everything
4: goes okay. I guess still up in the air, if it's going to even be then, probably. I mean, everything's everything slowed down with the production on every electronic nowadays.
0: And so the, I found the price finally. It's $800 uh, for this wheel base, and doesn't include the actual wheel. So it's really
4: not in competition with that. You know, the price point isn't in competition with that. I guess it isn't.
1: That's yes, closer to VRS's, so real you know, price
0: or base. And it's just under the, you know, DD1s, right? Now, maybe I'm on a distributor that's charged more than others, but that's what I see when I search. Speaking of price, Mike, what, uh, what do we got here from Thrustmaster? Yeah, we just got an out-of-the-blue social media post from Thrustmaster last week to inform you that a price increase will be applied starting this summer and in September with respect to many of our products. We regret having to make this announcement and will endeavor to limit the price increases so that they will impact you as little as possible. The pandemic has now had other effects, including a shortage of components, disorganization in terms of worldwide supply networks and disruptions in transport chains. All of these breakdowns, have resulted in increases with regard to all cost in the creation and production phases for our products. It is important to us to respect our values and we will continue to offer you all of our product lines with an emphasis on maintaining quality, ongoing innovation, ensuring that all aspects of our operations run smoothly. Thrustmaster.
1: It makes me wonder if this uh, statement was really even necessary. I mean, what's not going up uh, through the roof price-wise lately, especially when it comes to um, electronics and, and components? Um, you know, it's nice that they put this out, but and I think you know, I think most of the customers and the buyers out there uh, would be kind of understanding, just uh, just because you know it, they're not by far the only ones that are having issues like this that are that are um, causing price increases.
0: You're right. I mean it just it's just bad press. I mean, why would you even put it out there? I mean, nobody's even going to notice that the price the increase, you know what I mean? And like us, like we talk about hardware literally every week and we probably wouldn't even have noticed. I was going to say go even, you know, go further. Do you remember what a
4: Big Mac cost before the pandemic and what it'll cost? Is caused now like you? They increase those by like ten cents at a time, and you don't even know they're doing it.
0: I can't remember what gas cost before and after, but <laughs> yeah.
4: See, but that yeah, one we're too. always pissed about. No matter what, you're always pissed about gas, gas and
1: taxes. Okay, uh, guys. Uh, this next one is uh, ap ap Extreme G Sense Active Restraints. So it's a it's a haptic seatbelt tensioning system. Uh, it's actually from Raymar Tech. Um, so it's um, it's a little different than the uh, style, like the uh, G belt is, um, where in where the G belt has like rollers that mount directly behind your chair. Um, this one has like little pistons that the seatbelts go over your shoulders uh, through the seat and down to uh, to the base of the seat. And that uh, these pistons like move up and down, and that's where you create your uh, your your haptic feedback on your seatbelts. Um, couple things that uh stood out to me was first of all one of the things i really like about the the g belt is that it mounts directly behind your shoulders so it's pulling like straight back on your shoulders it's not looping over and down i don't think i'd be surprised if you get a good sensation when it's pulling down from underneath the seat it's just more friction more things to um Yeah. Yeah, More dampening as it goes through. So, uh, that's one of the things I noticed. Um, the G belt, if you have a seat, that's not like a a G seat or one that can use that you can mount the G belt to, uh, it actually has a connection at the bottom of the seat that would do the same thing as this. I just don't think it's a, to me, it doesn't seem like it would be quite as uh, as responsive as the one that's directly behind you pulling straight back. And, um, the other thing is uh, the price. This thing's running at $3,080, what? which is really, that's three times the price of a G-Belt. So that seems a little high to me. I mean, if you're, I know Rick Bortex does does good stuff, makes really quality stuff, but I don't know if I can, I don't know if I would be able to justify three times as much as a G-Belt for that.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I saw this and I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. But the price, I was just shocked by the price. I mean, this is not worth that price. But Rick Motec has had pricing like that on other stuff. I mean, look at their brakes—you know, eighteen hundred dollars or something for their pedals. I mean, obviously, someone's buying it if they're pricing it that way, right? They're
4: not—they're making money if they keep making stuff, right? Well, I think the, uh, out of Florida. The other thing, too, Brian—the way you're talking about the way that the belts mount—I think. Years ago, like actually, I think in racing, you're not allowed to mount belts like that anyways. They mount into the, they got to mount straight out the back in, in actual racing. If I remember correctly, I, I could be wrong. Never right. I remember with accidents having them down at low and pulling down on your shoulders. It was causing problems the way there's a certain way that they had to be mounted now, uh, to be certified, but obviously it doesn't matter in a SIM rig, but you know, it's definitely an interesting option for, uh, these pull-down belts uh i would like to i would love one day to actually get in one of these and see how this stuff actually feels it's pretty cool speaking of pretty cool here um frex uh developed a new 4.3 lcd dash uh connected to pc by a cable and a quick release adapter for the steering wheel um i think this is really uh really interesting uh product here i don't know Mike, you use a cell phone, right, for your kind of a dash? Yep. Like, what would what do you think of something like this instead of your cell phone uh, that you would have had? Like, it's it's pretty cool uh, to have, you know, mounted to. Obviously, they're taking it out of their. Didn't they have rims that had it in it? So this is kind of just moving it so you can have it part of your dash assembly. But it's got all the stuff with the software, and
0: it works really. It looks like it works really well. I mean, this is a raw display. You can see the ribbon cable. When he turns it sideways, you can see the circuitry on the back. And so, it's really uh, the 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 piece that needs to be installed into a uh, a wheel or some kind of plastic dash piece or something. It's not a complete piece, but it, I think what's neat about it too is. His quick release adapter is really what he's, he's talking about. He, he takes his USB, he unplugs it, he plugs it right back in, boom, da- data comes right back up. There's no having to you know, reconnect or hit refresh. Um, it, it's all seamless, there's no browser. you know. With, with my cell phone, I have to bring up Google Chrome and I have to go full screen and I have to make sure it's plugged in and there's all these little things I have to do to make it right. With this, it's plug and play. I just think it's a. I think it's a great option for uh, for anybody
4: out there. Obviously, they don't have any price for this yet either, do they? But Frex seems to be in development of a lot of stuff. They seem to be one we're talking about every couple of weeks now. Very cutting
0: edge for sure. Now this one, Greg, I sent you last night a picture of, and I told you it's a big rig cockpit, cockpit. and it's really a a, a go kart cockpit. Is this the one that looks like a go-kart? Yeah, it's the go-kart one. <laughs> and I it, just don't the steering wheel's kind to, of flat, so to speak. It's
4: it's so low to the ground. Um I'd probably I don't know, it's hard to tell in the picture about that seat. Like if you if you wanted if you if you describe it here, you would come up with, you know, it's it's basically it's an 80-20 uh, rig with um the wheel is kinda I guess it's more pointing to the ceiling on it too, right? It's kind of, it's facing upwards towards your
0: face. Um, well, that's what I mean, flat. Like, I mean, it's almost like a big rig where the wheel is is not like in front of me, like vertically, it's like almost flat horizontally. Yeah, and and obviously it looks like it's got the column
4: between your leg, you know, it goes between your legs, so your legs go around on each side. The bucket seat, I don't know about this type of seat like i feel like there's no shoulder support it is like a go-kart there is no shoulder support
1: that's exactly what it's like greg it's just like a go-kart even the wheel is up on an angle like that in a lot of go-karts um but yeah it's a two-pedal system too so um there's no clutch or anything but it's it's interesting design but man, if you don't like things between your legs, like uh, like the play seats do on some of those, uh, this thing is like really wide. It's, it's, it's gonna be interesting.
4: Careful, that'll become a soundbite. what you just said there. Um, I just, I, I contribute this sim rig. This is more like, a. this has gotta be a sprinting sim rig. You don't sit in this rig for hours, I don't think. You don't run an endurance race in this type of thing. I,
0: I just can't see being comfortable. So they even call it the OR21 Kart Simulator. I'm kind of wondering, is there racing software out there that is kart yeah, racing? there's okay. a kart racing software. So I'm wondering if it's
4: built purposely for that. It, I think it's called Kart Racer or something like that. That's out.
0: I, it, it came out a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. If you like that kind of angle on the wheel, I've never seen such an extreme angle. Uh, but, you know... It's unique, that's for sure. It's it called Le like, Rouge.
4: Doesn't look like. Is there much flexibility in the way that angle is at? Like, if you're six five or five five, what's the di- you know? Can it be di- different
0: while you're sitting in it? Yeah, it de- definitely doesn't look comfortable. I mean, the seat especially because it only goes up to the middle of your back. You know, it just odd. I couldn't see like someone like David on our team who's upper body
4: is built so big trying to sit in that. I mean he'd hang over the edge of it with his uh his muscular half, right?
0: All right, we're gonna move on to results. Let's talk NASCAR iRacing series. Finish up last week, Watkins Glenn. I can't believe it guys, P4 Friday in the open for me. I started like 11th. I spun once trying to avoid a stop car, but kept it going. I can't believe I got a P4 um, at a a road course, but I keep surprising myself with these finishes at road courses um, and I just don't even know what to say. Um, But man, what a great run. Uh, David Hall. He wrecked out. He said, a spinning car doesn't know how to hold the brakes. I think luckily it was pretty early in the race and uh, he went on to run something else. Uh, Sunday open, I don't think anybody ran at all. Uh, Did Did you? What'd you you get?
4: That was the P5 and top split. I was trying to, I was chasing down fourth so that I could tie your fourth place. And uh, I finished uh, fifth in the top split there. Uh, It was a great, that was probably one of my hardest fought runs too because I was battling with somebody for I want to say I was battling with those guys for probably 90% of the
0: race. Nice run. And and, and so that means I had the best finish of the team for Wagon's Glenn for the week. Unbelievable. I beat Tony. Alright, and then Sunday fixed, I ran. I i can't believe I even did. P14. uh Started 19th. I got as high up as 13th. Uh, But everyone in front of me, you know, 1st through 12th was literally faster than me. And so they had gapped me and were pulling away. And so there was this, it was boring, I mean, because I knew I wasn't going to catch them. And uh, and the fixed set just sucked, I mean, compared to the open, it was so much slower. All right, let's move on to the Brickyard 400. Oh, wait, I mean, uh, crap, another road course. And we'll start with you, Greg, P9. Yeah, and that was uh, an interesting race because
4: we we hopped in. I think Mike, you, and I hopped in about the same time to start practice, and I know David and Tony were in there, and the four of us raced. But I didn't know what to expect in that race. Um, I was in the top split with David, and I was pretty fast for it. Um, just some other guys had more speed. I was I was better on the long run uh, than in the short run, but. Definitely an interesting configuration. I miss the actual oval. I, I like the road course, but I'd rather, I'd rather be doing the oval this week. Um, it's it's interesting to, to run the road.
0: It'll be good to do it the one time. I just hope it's not common here. Yeah, I. this is literally my first lapse on the track. Uh, I've never run the configuration before. I did get in a little early. Uh, Looked really bad from practice, but as usual, when I get in the race, I you know do fairly well. Uh, I ended up P16, it, it was not too bad, it was better than I thought it would be. I did have a couple of self spins, and um, that did put me back. Uh, 16x, I almost got the drive through one more, and I would have had the drive for, through. And uh, man, I just don't like the track. I mean, I think it's hard, just there's no uh you know, visual breaking points on a lot of these corners. Uh, They're very flat. It's hard to see out of these cars. Um, I don't know, I just didn't like it. It doesn't even feel like NIS anymore because we're running all these stupid road courses. I don't know, I I just wasn't happy. And then Tony Rochette P5, the 2021 Tifosi NIS Road King is back, overcoming the odds and adversity. This track sucks. It needs to be an oval, hashtag not my brickyard. And then David didn't even put down his results. I think it was a uh, 16th. It, something, something like it was
4: something close to that. I don't remember either. Um, I know David, I don't know if he was having too much fun in that race either. Um, I almost took him out <laughs> spinning down towards pit road too. I remember that was one of the incidents. He had a pit and I kinda had a little screw up there after I came
0: out of the pits but thankfully we uh, stayed away from each other. All right, and then I want redemption. So I ran today, the Thursday open, and I wrecked out. Uh, Lap one, uh, I spun, it was kind of on my, I had a good qualifying actually, and actually put up my best lap ever in qualifying. I think I was, I don't know, ninth or something, maybe eighth. But then uh, I spun on the first lap, I fell to the back basically, was okay, and then on lap two, I was, I guess, too aggressive trying to get into one, and kind of overcooked it and plowed into somebody else, and I had damage, and and then as I came around to the end of the lap, I ended up wrecking again down uh, coming up off the onto the oval, and when you wreck right there, I mean you wreck, I mean usually destroy the car, and I did, and. And I just parked it, man. I was done. I, I jumped out of the race on lap two and uh, and ran away, embarrassed. So I don't know how I can have good runs like P4 at Watkins Glen, P4 at the Four Hours, of, or P2 at Four Hours of Charlotte. But then I, I get here to Indy and I, I just suck. I, I I can't even get around the track. Practice, practice, practice. That's true. I do know those other tracks quite a bit better. Let's keep going, 24 hour of Monza. David ran, he hopped on with another team that was short a driver. Um, he said another driver had some technical issues with freezes, but ultimately in that top split, our that was probably our pace and they got a P5. So nice uh, top five. Greg, you got a P4 at Road America. Yeah, David and I hopped in uh, a GTE
4: or a, uh, yeah gte race with it uh for imsa there last week and uh yeah i just did a couple laps beforehand and went out and just kept it on the track and finished p4 i didn't i don't really remember much from that um but i still love i love driving those gte cars and um i think it's it's definitely a series
0: that helps me run better with some of the other old stuff that we do or the road that we do all right let's jump to fast track sim racing league monday night Watkins Glen uh wrecked out i actually started in the back i didn't want to but i came in late apparently so they gave me an eol <laughs>
4: you mean your normal eol
0: yeah but i started uh i worked my way up uh, quite a bit i uh, i think it was 24 cars maybe i don't know but uh, I was thirteenth. this was my highest I got up to. I think you said that you passed the most. You think you passed the most
4: cars in that whole race by the end of it?
0: Right, because I got myself up to thirteenth, and then I choked and spun or something, and then I had to pass some more cars. But yeah, I, I felt I definitely felt like I passed more people than anyone else, because um, the guys that were up front, like you guys, stayed up front, you know. Um, and we I drove, was, We drove away from the front. Right, and so uh, yeah, it, it was fun, but I, I choked. I, I just, I just implode after a certain point. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but you would think at, after running all these laps at Watkins Glen on, and we get to this, you know, league race, I'm going to have it down pat, but I've actually run worse on Monday night than I did earlier in the week. I just think that's chalked up to the
4: talent that we race with too on some of those nights too mike like in nis you're kind of around all the stuff that's around the same i rating you you and incident ratings and things like that whereas in the league it's so diverse right right you have the strong guys and then there's the other guys that uh, just are in there you know having fun and doing their thing and um and and especially on a road course i the guys on the fast track i think you can see it they hate the road courses it, it, I, I, it's, it's really going to be a, a multitude of uh, different skill sets when you have no passion for it too, right? Alright, and then you got P2. Yeah, not too happy about that, but Tyler and I had, well the first part of the race, the one thing that we was different this time for this road course too, Mike, that we forgot to talk about is they put a caution at halfway and with doing that, um, it kind of threw out any strategy or any short pitting. Like you, we short, I short pitted it in that uh, Tyler did, and both him and I were running away from the field. Um, the first half of the race, I didn't even try real hard because um, you know we knew a caution was coming, so it didn't really matter. I was in second place, you know, 10 seconds up on third, so there was no threat. So I went down pit road before the caution came out so that one, and then drove around really slowly, and when the caution came out, I, I ended up starting in the front. And uh, I thought some more people would do that strategy so that Tyler would kind of get shuffled back and I could maybe get away from him. But not everybody came down. Even after that, they came down again. Um, so then Tyler and I had the last 20 laps. Uh, we had a battle um, for the lead uh, as we were pulling away. And I think I, I still haven't got a chance to go through the video, but I would say... 10 of those laps, uh, Tyler was pushing me through the bus stop and the carousel, um, kind of, kind of reminiscent of what was going on in that Coke race. Uh, he actually got me twice in the carousel, uh, and I kept it going and, uh, on it. But one last time he, I, I think he said he missed his brake marker in the, with like five to go in the, uh, bus stop. And he pushed me through the bus stop and I had no way of getting out of it properly. Cause I ended up going to the grass and When you exit it through the grass it gives you a two second penalty so i had to slow down i started running them back down uh because i was mad because if i would have got to him i probably would have done what worse than what uh christopher bell got at Watkins (laughs) Glen. but um, i ended up making a mistake i touched the grass a little bit and that was it and i finished second so i'll take it but uh that might not be the first time that i see tyler uh tyler in front of me next time it might not be go the same way all right and then david uh, i don't know what his result was and he i think he had an accident in the race and eventually left or right. i don't even remember if he and finished then tony it. was there
0: we had joe bobby was in oh, there. oh yeah joe was there and bobby the caution thing i want to mention that too um I also short pitted thinking, oh, man, that's the way to go. But I was not up front when I was back in 13th. And when it all shook out, I actually was a lucky dog. Um, and I didn't beat the leaders out after and, and basically had a leader in front of me. And I lost a lap during the, the whole thing. So it kind of sucked. I wish I would have probably not done that. and I would have definitely not lost all that track position. Cause I, I think I fell from like 13th to 17th or something because of that. And it really put me back. Well, that's why you, what you told to me it doesn't work if, break I, break. if I lose yeah. a lap.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, at, at a place like Watkins Glen, if you're half a lap down, you're probably Eric gonna lose a lap. Um, and Tyler and I had so much more pace than a lot of the guys. We kind of put a pretty big gap early on a lot of that field.
0: Alright, so let's keep moving I ran Hosted this week and it was called Child Car that's what he called it but uh, the guy Child House uh, he hosted a, a bunch of events in a row one night he put it up on Twitter, said pile in and people did uh, it was full rooms uh, every time um, I think uh, one of my teammates Steven Lou Allen, ran a couple of these with me but first it was kia at vegas the the kia at the vegas oval and what a combination guys it is super super fun the tires are just squealing i started 21st like when i got in the room they were gritting. had no practice i ended up p2 i almost won the dang thing um and that was a blast and so then right after that we did Formula V at Southern National. Now, the room filled up so quick that I I couldn't get in, so I didn't want to miss it, so I ghosted the room and, and at least tried the combination of the car and the track, and it's pretty fun to, to drive. The next one, uh, Mazdas, Pro Mazdas at Eldora. And we've tried this before. With the track uh, very well used, uh, it works out pretty good. Um, with those Pro Mazda open wheel cars. Uh, I think I ended up wrecked. I didn't uh, get my results. And then finally, uh, we ran the old trucks at the old Phoenix and that was also a blast and I got wrecked out. But uh, shout out to David Childhouse for uh, hosting those events. Um, If you guys wanna have some fun, uh, check those combos out. Those are great combos. Okay, OBRL, Brian. P love it.
1: Yeah, so uh, we were at Michigan in the Ar- ARCA series. Uh, started in P7. It wasn't too bad qualifying. I think we had 32 cars Monday night. Um, I stayed in the top 10, really was fighting for position to get into the top five um, when we went, when we had a uh, green flag pit stop with uh, like about 25 to go. So it was going to be the last stop of the race if we didn't have any cautions. And man, if I didn't overshoot my pit stall and had to back up, and, and uh, by the time I got back out on the track, man, I dropped all the way to 15th and uh, managed to work my way up to 11th, but that's as far as I could get. So uh, it was uh, my first race back after getting my rig put back together. And uh, it, was, it was a good race, two cautions early and uh, green the rest of the way through. It's a c- typical uh, OBRL race where it's good, clean racing.
0: All right, very good. And then OBRL Aftermath Truck Series at Indy Oval, Steve Thompson, the winner, Andrew Hess, second, Josh Robinson, third.
2: Grid Finder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Grid Finder the home of online sim racing leagues
0: okay and let's go to final thoughts brian mccubbin
1: oh well, uh finally got everything put back together um the, the G seat is really cool um it gives a lot of inputs it's it's by far it gives you the most uh force as far as input goes really i have to dial it in a little bit better i think to get it right where i want it but um some people said that they don't feel the motion with it, but I, I, I think it works all together really well, um, and uh, it's 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 a really good experience. Uh, I I really can't can't uh, praise it enough as being a a, a great feedback uh, type of system. So yeah, great. It's a it was a it was a good uh, good purchase. I'd say. All
0: right. And what about if you're sitting in it a long time? You you gonna feel comfortable? You think?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I did like about an hour and a half of practice at OBRL, and then a hundred lap race or ninety lap race at Michigan. I didn't have any issues with comfort. Um, I saw some videos where people put a little extra padding under the seat, but I didn't need didn't seem to need anything like that. It was it was good for me.
0: Very good. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy. Greg Hector's final thoughts.
1: Um. I'm just
4: looking forward to getting a couple more starts at Indy this week. Um, I'm now I'm pretty, I'm almost, uh, I'm almost at the 2000 mark for my road rating. So I'm hoping that it, the Indy races and, uh, run some of the Red Bull ring with, uh, some of the other cars this week will, uh, help me get there. um, yeah it's not much uh i know on monday night next week uh we're running fast track they're gonna actually do the indie oval instead of actually doing the road which will be interesting Good to job. see how we uh how we can find something that works there for us i'm gonna test a little bit with some of the setups uh this weekend and uh see if anything works i don't know if david's got a chance yet to uh see how they work yet but uh I might be the only one running road this weekend because everybody else hates that track, and I don't know if there's going to be. Are you going to try and run another? Like, like, are you going to run Friday night, Mike?
0: Yeah, I still need a top ten, so I'm going to try again. But I'm not. I, I'm not happy with this track either. Something doesn't feel. It, I was.
4: I thought I'd feel something about it. Like I like what running Watkins Glen. I feel something when I run that track and Sonoma and some of the tracks. It's just. There's something about it, it just doesn't seem
0: right there's no visual cues anywhere. I mean, the whole thing's flat and i don 't know it's just hard to see uh, anything it's an out, out of date scan for it too, right Yeah, I believe it is, and I think we talked last week they have a scan in in the can waiting to be updated yeah all right. Uh, my final thoughts uh, breaking news, I see on the messenger that Chris Scales has bought a direct drive wheel he got himself the accuforce v2 so congratulations to chris uh nice choice and uh my final thoughts uh yeah i i hope nascar is hearing me about the car about the road course racing man it's just going a little too far man Uh, they need to back off the road course stuff it's just too much i mean There's no reason in the world we should be running the Indy road course. We should be on the oval. And I know the oval kind of sucks in a NASCAR, but still, this is worse. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, the track's not fun. We'll see how the race looks on TV, on NBC, Uh, but I'm not expecting a lot. Uh, As far as my racing goes, you know, it's really mixed emotions about it. You know, sometimes I get a good result. And lots of times I don't. Like this morning, I was embarrassed. I mean, I I just parked it. I, mean, I wasn't even going to try to go out there and run after wrecking twice or two laps. And, you know, after the, <clears throat> the 16th of the night before, I thought I could, you know, get out there and not make any mistakes, but boy, I was wrong. But you know what, if they said it was easy, nobody'd do it. So we'll see you out on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.